What's going on, guys? It's the 91st edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. Welcome in. Welcome one and all. And I do believe, Jamie, that if you slide to the left and then slide to the right and then crisscross, and then if everybody claps your hands, I do believe that these right here are the Chronicles of John Mahan. They are indeed the Chronicles of John Mahan. Absolutely wonderful. Let's get started. Hit it! Hi there. You're about to enjoy the Chronicles of Tom and Jamie. Hi everyone, I'm Kevin Mann. Hi guys, my name's Annabelle Knight. And Hello, this is Becky Baldwin. Hello, I'm Chesney. Hey, what's up everyone? This is Brayden from Say We Can Fly. And- yes, my friends, you are currently listening to the Chronicles of with Tom and Jamie. My name's John Mahon, host of the John Mahon Show. You can also catch me on Kerrang Radio, Monday to Friday, 10 to 1, and Sundays, 2 till 6. I hope you enjoy what you're about to listen to. Stare at the sun for two minutes and be permanently blind. Two plus two is another fucking seven, Bob. Ah, let's look at the little skin dog that's coming to see me today. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 91st edition of the Chronicles of podcast and are the chronicles of john mahan it is i the bearded brummy jamie and joining me as always as always is this handsome fella right here it's the scotsman tom i'm trying to work out what your song is don't tell you have you got an idea well no i've got no idea i want to say probably bring me the horizon but no it was my name's blurry face I care what you think. Of course it is, Toronto Pilots. Of course it is. That would make perfect sense due to the guest this week that is John Mahon of uh, of Kerrang Radio and the John Mahon Show on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, that now makes sense. That's good. This is a good episode. This is a good interview this week, guys. Like I'm not going to lie to you. This is, uh, how do you say, a doozy, sire. But, Jamie, let's kick off with story time with Tom. Oh, another one. Okay. You you do love a story time. So um everybody knows the escapades of Florida Man, don't they? Everybody I... has heard of Florida Man. Florida Man has struck again. Oh god. Are you ready for this little story, Jamie? Bring it on. Let's go. Man abducts scientist to make his dog immortal. <laughs> okay, this is a genuine story. Um, John Wick is one of, if not the greatest dog defenders known to man. However, we now know about another individual who has risked everything to save the life of his dog indefinitely. Florida man Philip Joseph has decided that his dog should have eternal life because the loss of this loved one will be devastating. He loves his dog too much and he can't let it die. All dog owners would love to never have to worry about their four-legged friend moving on to the afterlife, but Joseph has taken it to the next level. He is not trying to figure out how to immortalise his dog on his own. He doesn't understand Frankenstein's scientific formulas and the biological procedures necessary to accomplish this task. (laughs) And Joseph is not the giving up type. This idea suddenly came to mind. Why not kidnap a scientist? Says Joseph to himself, while laughing diabolically. So, he kidnapped Ryan Lockhart, a doctor and scientist from the University of South Florida. 
One could only imagine what was going on in Ryan's mind at that point. No laboratory, no secret chemical formula to keep the dog alive forever, and a crazy guy holding him hostage, trying to figure out what his next move was going to be. The good thing is, they found the forest scientists before anything catastrophic could happen. <laughs> Joseph was eventually found by police after Ryan's family noticed he was missing and started an investigation. However, Joseph didn't face any charges because apparently this is a mistake anyone who loves their dog as much as Joseph does will make when pressed against a life-pondering question. When Joseph spoke to the reporter, he stated, I just got anxious. I just get anxious when I think my dog's going to die someday. He's all I have. I can't let him die. Scientists have also agreed to try and figure out how to make his dog immortal, even though they might not be successful. In my opinion, these scientists need to suck it up and get it done. Maybe they need a little bit of John Wick to motivate them a little bit more. Fuck. <laughs> what this man oh, felt. Oh, sorry, there's more. There's more, Karen. No, 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 there's, no more, there's not more. Carry, carry on, I'll give you my opinion after. I was just going to say, the thing, the thing this man fails to realise, if his dog lives forever, he won't live forever. So his exactly. dog's going to outlive him and he'll just be in a house on his own, feeding off his owner's corpse or something. Do you know what I, I listen? Well, yeah, probably. Well, yeah. <laughs> what I absolutely... Dogs will eat anything as well. What I absolutely love about this story is that it's not, I need money, which just tends to be the thing. It's not for drugs. You know? It's, it's not for sexual desires. It was just merely a case of, I don't want my dog to die. I, so I I'm mean... just going to kidnap... I'm just going to kidnap this human because he, uh, somebody will know somewhere how to keep my dog living forever. Imagine how old that dog gets. It can't die. At one point, I'd be like, what can kill me? <laughs> I've been here for 84,000 years. Oh, I can't even breathe. Oh, I can't even <laughs> Just shits himself because he just can't. <laughs> I can't move up to squat anymore. I just douse myself in my own piss because I can't be fucked to cock a leg. I'm just too tired. <laughs> my owner died in 2026. It's now 3582. <laughs> <laughs> it's only this bit of land left the planet. The planet's gone. The planet's gone. <laughs> I live on this little rock on my own as I'm living forever for some fucking reason. I know. If I jump off this rock into space, I'll die. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> just like floating through space, like for fuck's sake. Now, you know, just still shitting himself that like floats. Like it doesn't really go anywhere, just floats with him. It's now 6095. I've been floating for 300 fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> This poor dog just forever circling space. Yeah, and the world is everything ends. He's just like, oh, guess it's just me then. (laughs) Me and me old thoughts. Can't even because the gravity because there's no gravity. He can't even pick up his paw to shoot himself in the head or anything. It's just like, like I haven't even got a fucking gun because I've not got a pausable thumb, so I can't even. I can't actually kill myself at all. <laughs> God damn it, I'm immortal. I'm a mortal dog. <laughs> See, I bet the owner didn't think these things through when he had this idea, did he? Just thought of himself and his own problems. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um another thought I had was what if life was like Mortal Kombat? 
So I don't know where this came from. This is just sorry to drop my phone. Then do apologize, everybody. Um, you know, if it, it's almost like you know how how do I word this without being really morbid? Like the only way you knew your life was going to end at whatever point in in life was when you heard "finish him," and you're like, "Ah, oh, bollocks." <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you're just on a plane, swinging, walking somewhere, and you just heard, finish him, you'd be like, no, I've still got to <laughs> Just walking through Asda, I picked up all this stuff for a lovely meal. I'm so excited. Finish him. Fuck. <laughs> heart attack. Hit heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> or randomly, another random thought I had in regards to this as well, was if you're, because obviously Mortal Kombat, there's like 11 games, and then now the brand new one's coming out, which I'm very excited for. But these people die consistently, yet there still <laughs> seems to be more games of them. I'm like, this is weird. So can you imagine if that life was like that? Walking around the streets and you'd bump into somebody, it'd be like, round one, fight. And you'd be like, what? <laughs> What's going on? And you have to like beat the living shit out of each other. And then whoever dies, obviously the other person wins. But then you just go, thanks that, mate. Appreciate that. Off I go. Like, <laughs> two points out of this. One, you're absolutely right. The starts of Mortal Kombat games just seem to be two people walking into each other. Yeah. Like, ah, fight! Oh, fuck. And at the same time, yeah, shouldn't it be more immortal combat? Because some of these people have been in these games for a very long time. It'd be actually like games of real life, like Uncharted, for example. And like, you know, you're in the game and you... Because obviously, with like original consoles, if you died, that's it. You're fucked. Game, start again. Go back to the beginning. Go to the you got to do it all. I never finished Sonic. I never finished Mario. I never like all, I don't the games I never finished because I always died like near the end. It's so annoying, especially when you fought because obviously you get three lives and you got all that way and you're like, oh my god, I'm I'm like teetering on the edge of actually winning the game and then you died in a part and you're like, are you for fucking real? And now I've got to start all over again. But like games now, obviously, if you die, you just respawn again at the same part. But imagine if like real life's not. I know, I know it's game. I'm. I, it, this sounded better in my head than it just out loud. As I'm oh, talking, I know, I know I'm exactly like, what you're getting at. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. I'm I was going to say out loud, it sounds like I'm just being really weird and like, what the fuck is he on about? Of course it's not real. Like, <laughs> yes, no, I know it's not, but what if it was? You know, like if you, like Uncharted was a thing and um, you just got shot, you'd be like, you know, it's like, oh, oh no, Nathan, Nathan, no. And he was like, oh, uh, I thought you'd, hang on, you just fell <laughs> off that cliff. What are you, what are you doing here? Hey, you just, I was, I was just mourning your death. Why, how have you, <laughs> Are you God? How are you? How are you back? <laughs> Why is it taking me 10 minutes to get here? My save point was down the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> knackered now. Oh, that, that, che- that checkpoint down by the bridge, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know that weird diddling noise as we walk over the bridge? Yeah, well, that's because that's basically, if you die, that's where you go back to. If life was really like that, fucking hell, could you imagine? Like, you get to Wimbledon or something. And you're, you know, watching some tennis and you had Biddling at Wimbledon, but then obviously it's now Christmas time and that's in the summer and you died. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, hang on a second. It was just Christmas <laughs> a second ago. Why was it fucking Wimbledon again? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> why, why am I watching Novak Djokovic for the 15th time? <laughs> Look, the more I'm thinking about things from video games being real, like I've been playing Mario Odyssey a lot lately. Like the idea of just throwing your ha- throwing a hat at something and you turn into that thing. Like that'd be so much fun in real life. Oh my god, I was just sorry. Who throws a shoe? That's what I came <laughs> from. <right? laughs> that's what that's just my brain oh, just went to know when you said you throw a, a hat. Bar fight throwback. I forgot about that. <laughs> Show them what you can do. <laughs> Who throws a shoe? <laughs> <laughs> 
Ow! That really hurt! <laughs> Who throws a shoe? <laughs> oh. Random task, that was his that, name completely that's... escaped me then, yeah. Random, <laughs> random task, show them what you can do. Um, but still. But yeah, that was one thought that went through my head. And finally, I, I've got a really funny story. Really? That, oh, I keep dropping my phone, fuck's sake. I, I don't know what's wrong with it. Like, I've got a butter fingers, butter have you? Fingers. Where's the butter? Where's the butter then? Where is it? I wonder where that term came from. Not did people language douse again. their? Did they just douse their hands in butter? They had to carry things. Was it? Was that a thing back in the day? Like, oh, look at him, butter fingers. Fucking hell. <laughs> um, I was away with work this week, and we went to Ask Italian for dinner. Okay, <laughs> and on the menu it said new lemon chips, chips infused with lemon. It's a new thing. Whoa, four pounds twenty-five. And so my colleague was like, that sounds really intriguing. I'm going to get some because I got I went for garlic and cheese. And I'm not, no word of a lie, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Bear in mind, Jamie, £4.25, right? Lemon chips, new infused, new taste sensation. What came out? Go on. Was a little bucket of chips with a little wedge of lemon at the side. <laughs> That's the infusion, is it? Infuse no- them yourself. Yeah, just put the wedge, just have a little squirt. But the wedge was, it was like a slice thin. It was fucking amazing. He went, he picked one up and he went, it's just a lemon at all. I was like, no, it's, it's there, mate. You've got to squeeze it on. He went, are you for real? Is this, what? This isn't infused. They were just chips and a women ledge. Lemon wedge even. Women. What's a women ledge? <laughs> Where's women ledge come from? Oh, bloody hell, but I'll be using that women ledge again. Fuck you know, what's wrong with him? I told him not to use women ledge. Sounds like a fucking tool, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds like a tool or a household cleaner. Yeah. Put some women ledge on it. will get that stain out, mate. <laughs> it's like the upgrade to vanish. <laughs> okay, why should you get that? Get the, get the women ledge. Get women ledge. That's <laughs> what you're right at. Elbow grease. No women ledge. <laughs> yeah, fucking women ledge. <laughs> but I thought it was the fucking funniest thing ever. I was like, you've literally just got chips and a bit of fruit on the side. <laughs> Fucking nuts. I just love that. Infused with lemon. <laughs> yeah. If you squeeze it on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you just got chips. Chips. Four, four pounds 25. <laughs> and they're in a little tiny bottle bucket, so there's like hardly any in there. I can only, I'm, I'm kind of wondering how much just chips was now. I'm intrigued how much it costs for this wedge of lemon extra. Two pound on, I think. I think two <laughs> pound on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just... so pissed. What was even better was. I ordered calzone, and so he was like, oh, I wanted that as well, but I might go for something else. He was like, oh, the raviola looks nice. <laughs> Not only did he get chips with a lemon at the side, he picked ravioli, Jamie. He got six bits. What? That was it. That was it. I love Ask Italian, but this place is bullshit. <laughs> I know. I got a big fuck off calzone. I was like, yes. Got this big, huge fucker, right? And I had me, me massive garlic and cheese, like, covered in cheese and a massive garlic dip. Oh, phenomenal. Ooh. And he was there with his plain chips of the women ledge and six bits of ravioli. Fair to say, the man was starving about an hour later. Oh, <laughs> with no citrusy flavours anywhere to be seen. <laughs> oh, the poor bastard. That oh, was so funny, though. He, oh. was, li- he was livid. It, it was great. So. Oh, I got, I got a couple of things to bring this up. They're, they're, not, they're not going to fucking beat lemon infused chips, I'm afraid. But your song during the intro to the show reminded me of this: the Cha Cha Slide. 
my daughter came home the other day singing said cha-cha slide i was just like why do you know this song it is one of the most annoying songs ever in the history of man why do you know this song she's like miss price taught it me i was like why is the teacher singing teaching you that damn song so i went i picked her up at school the following day and i was like miss price i need a word i put it i thought upon my acting shop so i acted like a really disgruntled angry parent i was like i need to have a word of you why are you teaching my daughter the cha-cha slide and she's like oh we learned it in maths hang on like there's a few things to take away from this now first of all why are you actually that annoyed that she taught her a song that i'm not really i just thought it was funny oh okay okay <laughs> i was gonna say we need to have a word how dare you not not you know abuse my daughter or feed her something she doesn't want, you know anything of real thing that you could actually have a go at her for how dare you teach her the cha-cha slide it's so 2000s what's wrong with you <laughs> You've got to realise, being a parent, you have to put up with a lot of really annoying songs. When the teachers are adding more to the list, it, you need to have a word. It's great. I ain't got kids, I don't have That's to worry about it. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. I can listen to whatever the fuck I like, whenever I like. Um, but also, how does it teach maths? See, I never really got an answer out of this. All I got was slide to the rest, slide to the right. I don't really know how that's maths at all. Is it two hops this time, one hop this time? That that, that maybe, maybe. that could work. All she said was Chris slide Christ. to the left, slide to the right, and then some another small child distracted the teacher, so I didn't get the end of the story. Oh, she is five. Oh, okay, so I thought this was your daughter, and I was like, she is five. Is probably why she, well, no, you know, <laughs> yeah. A lot of things. I think kids. A lot of things go through their mind, and their imaginations could runs wild. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. I actually, I'm, I'm quite intrigued as to how that. Were is it a Birmingham thing? So I don't. But how many times <laughs> have we had the conversation on this show about how the education system needs to teach kids things that are important? But no, they're using songs in the two thousands to teach maths. No offense to the guest, but Birmingham people, obviously. Oh, here we are. Two plus two is I don't know it's a fucking seven, bub. <laughs> you know, I don't fucking know. I didn't learn. <laughs> I didn't learn the fucking cha cha <laughs> Eight times six is zero. <laughs> that's, that's your clip for the intro right there. Two plus two equals seven, bam. <laughs> but it just, it makes no sense to me. Because when I did bass in school, it was two plus two is four. You know? Yeah. There was no chat. Eight times four is 32. <laughs> I was... I forgot every single division plus <laughs> subtraction, every math equation, which went right out of my head. And hence I went, two plus two is four. <laughs> Numbers. Eight times four is 32. That's the first thing that came into my head. <laughs> Not one plus one or, you know, five plus five. It was eight times four. Eight times four, that'll do. That'll show, that'll show me multiplication tables. <laughs> oh. And the other thing I wanted to bring up was I was having a conversation with a new starter at work. And he was talking about his son, who was up watching TV at like five in the morning. And he's like, Dad, I don't know the settings to this TV. How do I turn off the person standing in the corner? I was like, wow, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. Which led me to the to the thought, why do broadcasting companies think that deaf people only watch TV at like four or five o'clock in the morning? Because they're not there the rest of the day. <laughs> no, there's a comedian that makes a joke about this. Oh, is there? I can't remember who it, yeah, who is it? Somebody talks about this in their stand-up. It's fucking amazing. I think like deaf people have to stay up all night just to watch TV. And then when they go to work the next day, they're like, what's wrong with you, David? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, 
Paul Walker like, oh, I'm watching TV. So what? But I, I don't get it either. Why do they do that? It's, <laughs> it's almost like they go, Telephone lads, get get him on, get him on, get him on. Come on. Tempia, it's 6am. Fuck off, mate. Off you Go on, get rid. Get absolute rid. All the hearing people want to watch TV now. Piss off. <laughs> we don't want them. We don't want them deaf people to know what's going on. <laughs> so, so weird. Why only those times of night are they allowed sign language? It's so weird. It is weird. Subtitles do exist. But <laughs> I know subtitles. It, it's a bit shit for deaf people. It's so lame. I almost <laughs> made another word I shouldn't have said out loud. That's a good job I stopped myself there. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, you're right. It, it's weird. Why yeah. is that only in the at night? I don't get it. It's it's a you know. I want. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if Babe Station has it. I wonder if like Red Red Hot X X X X X has it. Do you know what I mean? It's like on the bed, and they're just there going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like presenting and then be like <laughs> I've come absolutely brilliant. Fix your fridge. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> you need some plumbing <laughs> Why's your dick out, mate? Oh, because that's what I use. Right, before we offend every single dead person in the world. <laughs> yeah, because we, we should probably... go over this for fucking ages, probably. So we should probably move on. Anyway, 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 Jamie. Anyway, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm struggling to breathe now, but I'm good, yeah. I'm actually not that tired today, which is a weird change. I was allowed to sleep till half eight. Yes, Father's Day. Allowed a lion. Oh, what a shit ass is. Sorry. This is not not a day I really give a fuck about, to be quite honest. But well, no, but you're not a dad, so it makes sense. I wasn't talking about me. I fair enough. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but the thing, okay. the thing is, though, Jay, surely we should be a bit of give and take more than anything else, rather than, oh, because it's a special day that someone made up out of now. Who decided? That oh, the second week, the last weekend, no, that uh, this weekend is designed to be for dads for no reason, and then the one in March is for mums. Who were who just went? Do you know what? Fuck it, Sharon, Sharon, shut up, shut the fuck up, right? What I'm gonna do is we're having a day for me, okay? And then you, Sharon, have a day for you, but we'll put it in March or something weird, you know, randomly. But three months, just really annoying. My mum's birthday is the fucking week or two before Mother's Day, so she gets like double whammy. But then, but then, is it like being born near Christmas? I imagine so. Yeah, because I have two siblings, three days either side of Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. suck. My mum, my mum seems to enjoy life. Where I was... kids were born in December or the start of January. I was going to make a joke about it, but it just didn't feel right. So, four, four children she had around that period. Jesus. She really mm. does enjoy that time of year. And then me and Kate are five days apart in June. So there's obviously times of the year where <laughs> mum was like, I need to get busy. This is my busy time. <laughs> <laughs> so she's there like, come on, come on, time. Time is of the essence. <laughs> time to make baby. <laughs> Why is baby asleep? 
don't know. I went to do that and then did that instead, and I was hoping yeah, you'd we'll pick up on it. But of course, we should you probably we should probably stop. We should probably yes, stop with that now. Really yeah, let's just sorry. Let's just move on from that. Okay. Um. Wonderful, wonderful. Um. What was my again? <laughs> my brain's gone. Well, we were talking about your mum liking to get busy at certain times of the year. Before that. Oh, I was just saying that I wasn't that tired for a change. That was, that was it. <laughs> That's good. That's good. It's what you need. Oh, it's Father's Day. We talk about this day that randomly is given to dads. And I just find these sorts of things really odd. Do you know what I mean? They are a bit. I, I mean, I was going to say Christmas is the same thing, but like that just seems to be... I don't know. It's really... I, I always wonder how these things actually began, because obviously Jesus isn't real. So how did... Why did Christmas actually become a thing? Was it because of this imaginary person? Or... I don't know. It's nuts. Yeah. It's, oh, the Bible says. If the Bible's not real, somebody's wrote that because they felt like it. It's probably not got an author on the side. It's probably because Martin, Luke, and John, or whatever the fucking names are, they're, they're the authors. Went, I know what we'll do. We'll make it out there. We'll put our names on there. Fuck it. <laughs> We'll have a gospel about each of us because we wrote the bloody thing. But I suppose they, at least they make more sense than days like National Speak Like a Pirate Day or whatever they are. Just random ass days like those. Yeah, I don't get those. <laughs> why? Why did Phil Collins's band get a segment in the Bible as well? <laughs> oh, we'll get we'll get Phil Collins involved. You can write you can write a chapter or two, <laughs> and we'll call it Genesis. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, <laughs> but you are right. There are some really random, like kiss a ginger. Why? We don't need that, mate. We just we're happy doing our own thing every single day. We don't need a kiss a ginger day. But like, I, I do National Boyfriend Day, National Girlfriend Day. Like, no, fuck off with your bullshit days. Let's no, just stick know. to. Otherwise, every single day we're celebrating something. No one's getting any work done. No. <laughs> I mean, I'd love that, but there we are. Oh yeah. Plus, I don't think I could talk like a pirate all day. I think it'd just get on my nerves after a little while. Do you know what else is just coming to my brain? Why did... I mean, I know it's a very, a very football-esque fandom-type mentality, but schools that were near each other, why do they hate each other? <laughs> I've been off at this conversation. No other, for no other reason other than turf, I suppose, but it's not even <laughs> your turf. Like what? Well, it makes no sense because obviously I'm from. I went to Chosen Hill, and then there's Churchtown School, and in Churchtown, it was like fucking it, Chosen Hill. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't get it. <coughs> oh, we better beat the shit out of him because he's from the other school. I know exactly what you mean though, because last week when we we're on the way to my mom's wedding, we went past not my school. We went past the road it was on, but the rival school. I was like, oh, Wheeler's Lane, scum. And then Sam was just like, what? I was like, that was our rival school. Don't you have rival schools? He's like. No, what are you on about? Oh, no, it's not a thing anymore. People don't have rival schools. And Harrison just piped was like, yeah, we did. It was these guys. Bloody hell. <laughs> it's like, still yeah, but I don't understand it at all. <laughs> I understand it from the, from the like the competition, the sports side of things, if you play rugby or football or whatever against against another another school, especially if it was close. They like the rivalry games. It's like in, in sports, you know, in professional sports, it's exactly the same. But I don't. Just for the sake of it, it makes no sense to me. I don't get it either. Because my sister's going, I, I think, I mean, I'm, I am not the actual fault, but she went for a job interview at Churchdown, but she's from Chosen Hill. Mm. And it was in a way, I was a bit like, why are you getting a job? But obviously, we're 30-odd years old now. Why is it <laughs> It's just really weird. But that, that mentality, it's like, it's like you, you've got to hate them because it's about five, five metres down the road. No, nah, bullshit. 
Who needs to grow the fuck up is what they need to do. <laughs> it's a bit like you saying that. I saw weird his name and oh scum. I was like, boy, who cares? I don't know it's any uh, child yeah. that is in that school. No nope. teacher. Nope. Just what do they do to you? Exactly. It's so weird, isn't it? It's so oh. weird. But if you were a kid that went to one school and then transferred to the other school, oh, you were a brave man. You were a brave man. Oh, I never did that, so I don't know. Oh, we heard about that. That happened. I remember he got the absolute hell beaten out of him in both schools. <laughs> Why? Because he was a traitor to one and because he came from the other one. So he was hated in both schools. That's the, <laughs> that is the lamest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's you need... Bollocks, I mean. You you know, there's paedophiles in the world, but you've got to die because you <laughs> move schools. You should have you know. So I just it, the mentality is crazy to me, man. Crazy to me. I'm I'm not gonna lie though, you saying that kind of made me really happy that it wasn't just a Birmingham thing and that just was a thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean I don't know if it is now, it probably is now, it's probably even worse now. Surprising. From what I've been told, from things I've heard and stuff, like people setting fights up and then people getting jumped in city centres and stuff like that, and just oh, the world is so fucked. The world is so so fucked. Um, but still, I I love the fact that we didn't have social media and we didn't have Snapchat in our day. You know, people could just film everything and put it on the internet. You're watching, you get your ass kicked. Could you imagine? Um, yeah. But yeah, how are you, sir? How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. It's a Sunday evening, so I'm already dreading the working week. Um, just, you know, just like, yeah, cool. Same shit every day. Isn't it? Um, where I don't leave this place and just sit in this flat. Hooray. Um, yeah, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm all right. I'm just, the heat is really getting to me. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It's, it's, the hum- it's not the heat, it's the humidity more than anything else. It is lame and it needs to do one now. Like, I, it's so funny how I might be like, yeah, but it's like 30 degrees in Spain. It's like, but Spain know how to have temperature. Britain seems to be the only country that has no idea how to deal with it. Because obviously Greece and Spain and Portugal and all those countries have it 24-7. They have breeze and they have air con and they have things that, you know, te- whereas in the UK, we're just a bit like, oh, my God, it's like 35 degrees, but the humidity is 100% and I can't breathe. It's too muggy, but the rain's coming out. It's cloudy, but it's like 30 degrees at night. I can't sleep. The windows are letting the hot air in. And you just, it's, we just can't cope. We can't cope. Nope. And plus, like I say, 30 degrees in the UK is so different. It's like I say, it's just muggy as yeah. anything. It's not nice heat. It's no, we're like, we're, like, we're like that immortal dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, literally can't breathe for shit. Like you get the fan and it just blows hot air everywhere, and you're like, oh, what is the point? Oh, the problem I've been having because of having the fan on during the night, I'm waking up with my mouth as dry as Gandhi's flip flop. So I give me all the water in the world as soon as I wake up in the morning. Not fun. Interesting analogy there. Um, <laughs> you never, never heard that one before. I've heard it. I just <laughs> I don't know. I, I always find it crazy how Brits come up with the most randomest <laughs> things like that. Do you know what I mean? But there we are. We'll move on. How are uh, how are things, Joe? What have you been doing with yourself? Uh, yeah, it's been all right. It's been a good week, to be fair. I've mostly been reannering. I've been doing on early shifts all week. It's been an absolute hell week at work. Just no staff. It's been great fun dealing with all that. But other than that, it's been, I've, um, we did a fantastic interview the other day, which cannot wait to get out there. Absolutely great interview. Uh, I finished Mario Odyssey story mode. That's the first time I've actually finished a game story mode. God knows how long. But now it's collecting all the extras, which will probably take me longer than it did to finish the story mode in the game. But there we are. Um, 
the other day, me and the wife went out to go see The Flash because I was refusing to wait. I did not want to have anything spoiled for me with that movie. Oh, my God. It's so good. I know you say I love everything, but, oh, and I've not actually seen a bad review. Like, reading comments, people are really positive about this film. So, it's not just me this time, so you can't go, you love everything, because it's just really good. Isn't he wonky, though? Isn't the actor wonky? The actor is a twat, yes. Like, he's under criminal, sorry, they're under criminal charges for things, and, like, kidnap, I think, was one of them, and, yeah, very, very bad person. But they are a great actor. Like, their performance is phenomenal. And I hate to say it because, like you say, the person is a twat, but you can't take away the fact they're a great actor. And it's just, yeah, it's just great. It's so heartwarming, so heartfelt. The action's great. Cameos are amazing. The surprises and things like that are oh, double superb. I really, really enjoyed it. It was everything I wanted it to be. Uh, and then Saturday, well, yesterday, we had a barbecue with Becky's family to celebrate Becky's dad for Father's Day. And then today, I had my Father's Day. I got presents in the morning. Got woken up by Olivia going, Daddy, sit up! I was like, oh, Christ. Let me wake up for a minute first. And then have our presents. And then I went to go see the kids. And we all went bowling. It was me, Becky, the kids, Joe, Matt. We all went bowling. It was a great day out. And I won. Yeah. And Olivia came second. <laughs> wow. Granted, she had the barriers up and she used the little frame thing, but I don't care. The kid came second place. And it was like the last frame. Yeah, the last frame. She just managed to just take over and get second place. So funny. So funny. Because Matt was second place and all of a sudden he's like, I just got knocked off second place by a six-year-old. What the fuck? Is she six now? I thought she's five. She's she's six in a couple of months. Oh, okay. So funny. But it's been a great day great day and watching wise other than the flash i fell down a bit of a rabbit hole of adam sandler movies this week i don't know why just i I was flicking through now tv because i was just i was actually taking some time to myself to relax and i started watching grown-ups and then i was like oh fancy watching another adam sandler movie so i watched big daddy i forgot how great that film is and then i watched about halfway through happy gilmore I might actually just watch someone else after this one. <laughs> I don't Pretty know, I strong just... films, though. Yeah, they're great films. I really like Grown Ups 1 and 2. Plus 2 has the um, burp... Oh, what's it called? It's like burp sneeze fart or something like that. Burp snart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, burp snart, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is just brilliant. <laughs> what about you, Mr. Stevens? What have you been up to this week? Oh, my days. Where do I begin? So, obviously, Monday was my birthday. Um <laughs> So, yeah, because obviously we recorded last Sunday, so Monday, my birthday, um, we, um, I got gifted in the morning. It was quite nice. We went swimming, um, and then I made the silly decision that instead of wrapping myself up in a towel, I would dry from the sun, but I didn't have cream on. So I burnt my entire head, my face, my shoulders, my arms, my legs, my knees, and my feet, and my chest. Everything but what your shorts were covering, basically. Basically, and my back was fine because I was led on the on the lounger <laughs> thing. But oh, mate, it was amazing. Pont is like Ponty Ponty Preeth Lido, uh, because it was the middle of the day. There was fuck all people there. It was great. Amazing. There's a couple of families with like babies and some kids and stuff. But other than that, it was pretty empty. It was went swimming. It was so much fun. Three quid for like an hour and forty five minutes. It was wonderful. Nice. Yeah, it was well. great. It was great. Um, 
I got some brand new Jordans. So I'm really happy. They're yellow and they're fucking sexy as. So I'm really happy with those. Uh, the girl did well, my friend. The girl did well. Um, and then uh, we went to Crazy Golf. Um, and I was sporting my new acclaimed T-shirt, so I decided to take an acclaimed photo whilst playing crazy golf, which uh, the one badass, Mr. Ass, whatever you want to call him, Billy Gunn himself, shared an Instagram. That really, really, like, topped <laughs> off my birthday. Like, you wouldn't believe. That was awesome. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> Bowen's liked it. Bowen's liked it, but then Billy Gunn, Daddy Ass, shared it, and I was like, oh, my life is made. Um <laughs> I was so happy. I was so happy. And then I'd reach I reshared that thanking him and he'd see it said seen. I was like, oh, ooh, I wonder. Ooh, I wonder ooh. if I could message. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um so we played crazy golf. We went to go to Miller and Carter, but we'd had lunch like at three o'clock in Ed's diner having um waffles and fried chicken. It was unreal. Um and a massive fuck off milkshake which was a meal in itself. So I wasn't very hungry. Well we weren't very hungry. So we went straight to NQ sixty four in Cardiff and we were there for a good four or five hours. And oh. we were sat chatting to the barman when we got there, ordered drinks and stuff. He's like, Oh, so what brings you here today? I was like, Oh, it's actually my birthday. He went, Is it? I was like, Yeah. I was like, we were gonna go for state, but we decided to come straight here. He went, Here's a massive pot of free tokens. I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah. What a legend. So, <laughs> what a hero. Um so yeah, we just drank quite a bit. Played I played Guitar Heroes, the sun, you know, came up. Um I was just smashing high scores. I was like, I just want to smash high scores. So that's literally what I was doing. <laughs> played that. We played Mario Kart, we played Crash Team Race, we played Tony Hawk, we played uh some other driving game that I forget the name of. Um I just played loads and loads we did a dance machine together. We did loads, man. It was just so much fun. It was so much fun, like we did. Um so yeah, so my birthday was sick. It was absolutely sick. I really, really enjoyed it. And thank you Amazing. to everybody that wished me happy birthday as well. It's really appreciated. Um, the next day, Tuesday, I had to go to Manchester for work. Ah. So, yeah. So Tuesday and Wednesday, I was away in Manchester, which is where Lemon Chips happened. Um, that was fucking absolutely amazing. But, like, we, I got paired up with Jack. So I worked with Jack. We put, put in the same hotel room. And he said it takes him ages to fall asleep. So I thought, fuck, I'm quite tired. So I'll let him fall asleep first, and then I can do as I wish. I thought he'd fallen asleep, so I went to bed, and I kept him up all fucking night. <laughs> Why? Snoring. Snoring. Yeah. Ah. Apparently, it was like diggers were, you know, taking concrete out and trains were going by. Apparently, I was <laughs> fucking loud. But instead of <laughs> pushing me or knocking or hitting me or whatever, he would just kept clapping. I was like, he would clap and go, right, I've got, I've got 30 seconds of it, and I tried to sleep, and I was like... <laughs> News, just wake me up. And he went, the time you stopped, Tom, was when I went for a shower. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I felt really bad. Um, but it was great. And, like, uh, the event was amazing. Like, I, I love being up north anyway. Manchester was fantastic. The people we had there, we did, it was just such a laugh. Uh, it's great. So then um, my director was like, take Thursday off. It's fine. So I was like, thanks. Oh, so, legend. yeah, it's beautiful. So we did nothing Thursday. Just watched a lot of wrestling. Um, and I actually worked on Friday. Um, so, and then the weekend, I've been watching BattleBots again. I finished Barbecue, the barbecue show. Finished that on my birthday. Um, Keris was really happy because her pick won. Um, uh, well, I'm just trying to think now. I've started 
four years after I finished season four, I've just started Game of Thrones season five today. Good deal. Um, watch first the first two episodes. Really, I, lo- I love that show. I, f- I always forget how great it is. Mm. When I, do you know what I mean? So I, I, I'm really shit with jumping into the next thing. I was got. Oh, I'll, I'll watch that in a couple of days, and I always forget about it. Um, so I started Game of Thrones season five today. Um, but not watching any films. I'm trying to watch any shows. I don't. I've just been playing a lot of PS5. I think I've not really actually. My brain always goes, make sure to talk about this. And I go, yeah, all right. I never write down that. I never get to the show. I'm like, no idea what's going on. <laughs> always the way. Always the way. Oh, uh, I watched Scotland beat Norway in the football yesterday. It really made me very, very happy. So, yeah. And that's my week. Incredible. We're all caught up. We've, we've jibber-dabbered on long enough. So, should we uh, check in with this man over here. With all Bra- with all- yeah, but I mean, if you listen to this, obviously they have no idea what you're pointing at. So yes, we should hear from Brain Barry at State Cozy Clothes. <laughs> all right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Barry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boy. Oh. I said it once, and I'll say it again. Greatest advert ever. Absolutely incredible. Braden's currently on tour for those people in America. Make sure you grab a ticket. Uh, check him out wherever he's playing. Grab a ticket. Uh, and whilst you're doing that, we'll head in. To Callum's teachings. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you in Callum's teachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. Callum is back once again to treat the world, the nation, the universe, the galaxy, and that bless that little immortal dog that's floating around through space <laughs> right about now. <laughs> we love you, Bruce. We'll 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 say we'll we'll save you. Don't worry, he'll be all right. <laughs> Mm. But Jamie, yes, sir. What is Callum treating us this week? If you wanted to, you could simply step outside, stare at the sun for two minutes, and be permanently blind. <laughs> that is. Do you know what? Right, I love. I love these things. I love them. Right, because I've done something very, very similar. Wait, I've what? walked over. I've walked over a bridge. I've started to walk over a bridge and uh, over the motorway and gone. I can just throw myself off that if I want. I can literally just throw myself off the bridge. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's weird, isn't it? To think I could easily do something that could basically really badly affect my life. Let's put it that way. Well, end it. Yeah, or end it. I was trying to put it in a nice way. I'm not going to, but I could if I, if I wanted to. It's I such could. a weird mentality. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't see any more. Fuck it. Son, do your thing. <laughs> no, me, I'd just be like, oh, fuck that. Fuck off. <laughs> it's, it's such a weird... It's a weird mentality, isn't it? it really I think is. Mark Watson, the comedian, talks about it, how he's like, he just start, he was walking through a park, and there's a guy with him with a suitcase in front of him, and he couldn't get past. He was like, I could kick this guy if I wanted to. I could just go and run up and kick him if I really wanted to. I'm, I think I might kick him. Do you know what I'm actually going to do? You know, I'm going. I'm going. Um, it's. I think we talked about it with Molly Rennick as well on our show. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah. We did. Yeah. In regards, to like, there's this, these thoughts you have where it's like, I for one, I could just put my phone in the, in the sea. 
I can, I can just throw myself into the sea if I want. <laughs> it's like when you walk in. There's a lot of car coming, cars coming, busy traffic. Throw myself for a night if I really felt like it. It's really weird. It's <laughs> such a. But he's not wrong. He is not it's wrong. Not wrong. I, I've never thought about doing it to the sun, though, to be fair. I, I quite like my vision. So. Yeah. But could anybody, has anybody, I want to know if anybody's actually done it or if you could actually withstand the sun that long to be able to look at it that long to be blind yourself. That's a really good point, actually. I know it's possible if you stare at the sun for too long, it could burn your retinas. But has anyone actually done it? Has anyone actually thought, you know what, I'm going to stare at this. I'm going to like pin my eyes open like clockwork orange and I'm going to stare at that sun. It's like if you sit across the TV, you'll get a square eye. You know, if you eat too many chocolate biscuits, you turn into a chocolate biscuit, that sort of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I used to get, if you eat any, if you eat any more choc ices, you'll turn into one off me now. I used to get it all the time. You know, it's like, um, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Oh, I hate that one. Like, but I'm already upset. <laughs> I so. clearly have something to cry about, mother. I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, it's parent. Those sorts of things are so weird. Do you do any to Olivia or the kids? Not really, because I hate them, so I won't say them. The only thing, the only cliche expression I seem to use a lot lately is "practice makes perfect." Just trying to get Olivia to keep trying things that are going too hard to give up. That's a kid thing to do, though, isn't it? Yeah, I find myself saying that way too much lately, and I'm sick of saying it myself now. But I know I've got to keep saying it because I don't want to go, you know what, right, you kid, you're right, you shit at this, just give up, mate. And- <laughs> well, no, you could always be like, you know, if you keep persevere, if you uh, use really big words, if you persevere, yeah. you'll <laughs> achieve anything you want to in life. Really? Shit out your eyes. Um, <laughs> I love that Crystal Ear joke so much. Like, you could be anything you want, really? You Really? Okay, shit out your eyes. Go on. <laughs> oh, we should, we'd be talking a lot. We should probably uh, get get a step in. We should probably. Oh, this show's gonna be like five hours long. Good, yeah. um, Jamie, what else is Callum treating us this week? For some reason, it's perfectly acceptable to dig up dead people and have them on display, but only if they're Egyptian and died thousands of years ago. <laughs> I love. Yeah. There's grave robbing and grave digging. It's illegal, isn't it? But obviously, it it's is. like, well, but, but they were born in the year 4000 BC, so it's fine. <laughs> He's got a headdress on. Leave him alone. <laughs> what is the cutoff date to being historical, like digging up archaeology and just being illegal as shit? Like, what's the cutoff date? That's what I want to know. I don't think it's there. Like, just keep digging. Just keep digging. Oh, granddad. Wait, fuck, wrong, get, wrong grave, wrong grave. Steve, you're at the wrong fucking grave, mate. There's no fucking hieroglyphics around that shit. That's just my granddad. That's my granddad, Bob. What are you doing with him? He likes a tenants of the crossword, he did. <laughs> tenants of the crosswords? We don't need to put him on a display for his fucking crosswords. Jesus fucking Christ. I'll give you fucking crosswords he was doing if you want to put him on display instead. We don't need to display Bob's. Come on, Stan, hurry up. Fucking tenants! What a <laughs> reference! We need to get we need to get that bloody Tootons Carmoon. You know that Tootons Carmoon who everyone says to love so much. <laughs> Fucking mummy. <laughs> <laughs> you know that bloody mummy. They don't come to laugh me. No, no, the one wrapped in toilet paper. You know what I mean? <laughs> and always weirdly, in some reason, add one bit of dangling off so you could have to, you know wipe your ass if you did a shit. 
or for some reason it was all one one set of fucking <laughs> toilet bits. So as soon as you let, as you ripped it, they just fucking spun around and became an actual person. <laughs> that's mm. like fucking Scooby Doo, that bit. <laughs> we need to go. We need to go. Fucking Robin Tootant Scarmoon. Get his, in his grave. Get his gold. <laughs> Tootant Scarmoon. Oh Christ, I'm hot. <laughs> where's that where's that Florence Nightingale? Put it out there now. Put it there. I think it's time. Now. And Mother Teresa as well. Plenty of time now. They've been, they've been in the ground long enough. Let's get them back out. They, they haven't, seen, haven't seen sun for 100 years. <laughs> Archaeologists have like a countdown on famous people. Like, oh, just another 50 yeah. years and we can get that fucker in the museum. <laughs> we just give them their fucking vitamin D. We're living in the fucking ground for two hours. Vitamin C, whatever it is. <laughs> Vitamin D. Vitamin C, we're giving them an orange. <laughs> vitamin C, is vitamin D is the sun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Vitamin oh, I, it's from yeah. citrus fruit. <laughs> Fuck, I don't fucking know. There's too many vitamins <laughs> and minerals these days. I need to make sure you take your tablets, your pills, your minerals, your nutrients, the fucking sun give you the, Make sure you drink lots of orange juice, milk for calcium. Make sure you're fucking drinking that, taking that, and eating that. Like, fuck off. But apparently, everything gives you cancer. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, I remember when I was reading a, a thing that's like tomato gave you cancer. It's like, what? Like, fucking at the bar. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I actually forgot the original tree. Oh, yeah. Put people on display. <laughs> that, that is so true. That's so weird. We need that Sir Walter Rally. Sir Walter Rally can come out now. <laughs> we'll put him on a fucking display. We'll leave, leave Tootant's car moon. <laughs> you really enjoy saying that, don't you? I am. I'm really enjoying saying that. <laughs> yeah. And bring out that Walter, you know, that rally. That bloody rally man. He makes bikes. <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway, because oh. I've enjoyed Tutan's comments so much. Let's move on. And, uh, and finally, Jimmy, what else is Callum treating us this week? Since humans are 60% water, does that mean we're related to snowmen? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Fucking free for free this week. <laughs> Must be. They're ninety-eight yeah. percent water, aren't they? Because of the carrot nose and the raisin <laughs> nose. Yeah. So that's the other two percent there. <laughs> so ninety-eight percent water, one percent carrot, one percent. I thought we were eighty percent water. Are we eighty percent? We must be. Well, he's the new truth. He's the fucking gym buff, so he must was, know. Yeah, I was going to say. I'll trust him I'm over not, him. Yeah, uh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> But the brain's mostly water and shit, isn't it? It's so crazy how that shit... There's electricity in there. What the fuck's wrong with you? Mm. Like, you know... It's just, uh, <laughs> we're like a shit version of Blanca. <laughs> we can't actually do the electricity move, but it's working inside here somewhere. <laughs> I'll be wicked if I could jump in the air and spin in a circle and throw myself at someone. To be fair, I'm actually really pleased that we're not related to snowmen. Because imagine we just like I mean, as a ginger, I melt I melt in this weather as well. So we we could be. <laughs> That's a very we do good perspire point. we do perspire quite a bit. And you know, every time the sun comes out, I'm like, welcome <laughs> a massive fucking ginger puddle. <laughs> I'm literally dripping from the back to the front. That was weird. When I was in Manchester doing this event. I was absolutely drenched at the back and completely dry at the front. It was so weird. That is a little bit It weird. was really, it was so weird. But I had a jacket on. I was like, well, I don't want to take it off because I'll just look, you know, look a mess. Yeah, but fair point. It was crazy, man. 
But, you know, if we were elected to the snowman, I'd be worried. Yeah, so, I'd be very worried. Especially because you feel really bad when you're kicking them in parks. Do, <laughs> you kick snowmen in parks? I mean, to be I, mean fair, I don't, but I mean humans in general. I don't go around kicking people snowmen. That's just mean. That is very, very mean. How, how dare you? Yeah, I'm hard day. on that, you bastard. But thank you so much, Callum. Like Jamie said, three for three this week. Absolutely oh, incredible. Fucking gold. <laughs> Absolutely love it. But the only issue is, I have to follow. And I've got to try and survive this now. Fuck's sake. It's time for Tom's journal. Read to me. And welcome to another edition of Tom's journal. Welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. And Jamie, I refuse to be controlled by a calendar. So happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> More people should do that. <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Just have it all in one fucking day. <laughs> Imagine the evil snowman and they're like <laughs> to Santa and stuff like that. Right? Spits a mouthful of blood to the floor. You've become far more powerful since we last crossed paths. Dentist, look, please stop, mate. There's literally a sink right next to you. <laughs> As someone who's getting dental work now done lately, if you don't do that, I'm really disappointed in you. <laughs> I got. <laughs> I'm having my t- I'm having my teeth taken out on July twelfth, so I'll do it then. <laughs> uh, lovely. A little boy just screamed down the London tube carriage. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. And everyone remains silent. I love London. Bastards! No, <laughs> you can't not join in. Evil fuckers. Well, I'd be, I, I would be like, no, you're right, kid. Thanks, I'm good. No, I'd have to join in, even if even I don't care who it is. I'd, I'd have to join in. If you're happy and you know it, punch a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I would never do that. I would never do that. I would never do that. I came. I saw. I had a small panic attack. Notes right out. It took a five-hour nap. This happens sometimes, and that's okay, as long as I'm trying my best. (laughs) I can't fathom how many times I've wished I could do that in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, This was a Snapchat conversation that I found um, on the old... The internet gives me so much glorious shit, and I love it. Hey, honey, would you like to buy a custom video just for you? Me? Of what? Anything you want, honey. 40 bucks. Anything. Cool. I want a cat driving a tractor. (laughs) Uh, That's not how this works. You said anything. You'd say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Mother. Oh, Timmy's got his music concert coming up soon. Kid. Oh, Dad, are you going to come? Dad, I doubt it. The lineup looks weak as fuck. (laughs) 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 
oh, nothing worse than those sort of things when you want to go to support your child, but you need to watch every other fucking kid. He's like, no. <laughs> meh, meh, meh. <laughs> meh. <laughs> oh my god come on another two hours i'm always that parent that tries so hard not to laugh at other people's kids but if my kid fucks i'm just like oh she's trying bless her yeah of course you do of course you fucking do jamie some people exercise before breakfast i'm watching a show i don't like because the remote fell on the floor <laughs> when life gives you lemons, be happy it wasn't syphilis. <laughs> wow, that that is very good advice. That is very good life advice right there. <laughs> now this is something you should do. <laughs> Dad. Good night, kids. Kids. Good night. Dad. <laughs> Good night, monster that eats children who are naughty. Mum, walk through the walkie-talkie, press of the bed. Good night. <laughs> oh, my God, I think we've got walkie-talkie somewhere. Oh, next time that kid's a little shit, I know what we're doing. <laughs> this front sector is one of the greatest things I have ever seen in my life sent to a landlord. Okay. Florence writes, my landlord wanted to increase my rent from August by £150 a month due to also being affected by inflation. As well as rate rise, they can't afford to keep the rent at the same level. So I sent them this email. Hi, blank. No worries. Thanks for letting me know. Please do tell the landlord that if she's struggling for money, then perhaps she should get a real job and earn her own money instead of stealing mine. Kind regards, Florence. Oh, I like it. Absolutely beautiful. This is going to be your favourite entry in the journal of all time. I'm not not much fucking pressure, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, so when other people call their pets fur babies, it's fine. When I call a kid a skin dog, somehow I'm disgusting. And that's the worst paediatrician in this hospital. (laughs) Skin (laughs) puppet! That is horrific. Skin dog. Oh. oh. Did you say I'm the worst paediatrician in this hospital? Yeah. <laughs> it's fine when I call a kid a skin dog. Somehow I'm disgusting and I'm the worst paediatrician in this hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it even better. Ah, <laughs> oh, let's look at the little skin dog that's coming to see me today. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love this entry. I really enjoy oh. this entry so much. Fallout Boy fan. This song defined my teenage existence. Fallout Boy song title. I made you this belt out of watches after you called me a waste of time. <laughs> oh, God. That has got Fallout Boy or Panic at the Disco hit written all over that song title. Oh. Two more. <laughs> a UK 30 degrees is not the same as a 30 degrees abroad. It's nice on holiday. Here... It feels like Satan's armpit. Exactly what we were discussing earlier. Yes. Fucking no. Vile. 
Now, this final journal entry comes mm-hmm. from the Second City's singer, Jamie Martin. Okay. Okay. I stole his status because I thought it was the fucking one of the funniest things I've ever read in my life. It became a big fucking chain. And are you ready? Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Reads a Bible. Keanu believes. <laughs> Sees a spider. Keanu flees. Kills the spider. Keanu grieves. His gums hurt. Keanu teethes. Right, and now everybody else has joined in. This is amazing. Keep it going. Keanu likes craft. Keanu cheese. Keanu as a homeless man. Keanu needs. Keanu recently got a lung transplant. Keanu breathes. <laughs> Keanu as your favorite librarian. Keanu reads. Keanu as a kleptomaniac. Keanu thieves. <laughs> There's more. Are you, are you ready? <laughs> Keanu hits his goals. Keanu achieves. <laughs> Keanu gets a paper cut. Keanu bleeds. Keanu is making a pizza dough. Keanu needs. <laughs> Keanu becomes vegan. Keanu leaves. Oh, fuck's sake. Keanu becomes a gardener. Keanu weeds. Oh. And finally, gets snubbed from a family event, Keanu Seeds. <laughs> <laughs> and that was another edition of Tom's Journal. Oh, fucking brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jamie. That was like, that's ending the journal this week. That is absolutely <laughs> fucking fantastic. Oh, I think his gums hurt. Might be my favourite one out of those, but that was fucking all of them were brilliant. <laughs> We should get down to what we're all here for and what I am very excited to release. Oh, yes. Welcome to the Chronicles of John Mahon. Welcome. John Mahon, you can hear every weekday on Kerrang Radio. He's a Kerrang Radio DJ. That is how he came into my life and I acknowledged him. The wife listens to him all the time. He's absolutely amazing. Not only is he a Kerrang Radio DJ, he is a host of the John Mahon Show on YouTube and Twitch. He is also DJs at club nights and festivals. He was recently just at the Download Festival. It's, it's crazy to think how much this man has achieved since we did this interview. Like, if you yep. watch his social <laughs> medias, it's nuts. I'm like, we should have arranged this one for a little bit later in time, maybe. Because since we've done this interview, he has performed at the Download Festival, interviewing bands ready for the John Mahon show. He is DJed at the Download Festival. He has hosted, not hosted, sorry, he's presented at the Heavy Metal Music Awards, presenting Bad Omens with an award for the best album. He's just done so much. It's absolutely amazing to see. This is so much fun. He was also at Slam Dunk as well. You missed Slam Dunk yes, off the of old list as well. He was there as well. He has done so much. It's been insane. And it was an absolute pleasure to have John on the show uh, where we've really connected. And if you follow our socials, you will know that, and I don't know why I didn't mention at the beginning, that obviously your boys are going to be at 2000 Trees in two weeks' time. So it's we're very, very, very excited. But we know John's going to be there as well. Um, so 
hope there'll be a bit a little bit of collabing going on in some way shape or form um but it's gonna be great to meet him in person and get to hang out with him it's always a pleasure to meet the guests that we've had on the show uh and get to hang out with them and stuff but this interview is is just great and like like jamie said it's a little it's a little gut we didn't save it but <laughs> i do it a little bit later after he accomplished all the other shit he's just done yeah but it just goes to show how much how big he is, like the things he gets to do and things he gets to achieve and stuff. So um I watched the download special of the John Mahan show and it's fantastic. For all those who haven't checked it out yet, please go and check it out uh at the John Mahan show on YouTube or Twitch. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Um but Jamie Yes sir. Do you have any final words at all? Just a massive thank you to our guests for taking time out. Wearing that vest, showing us them guns, and having a good old chinwag with us. This was absolutely amazing. And yeah, I used the word delicious right at the beginning of the interview. I think I freaked him out a little bit, but I think we're all good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) John, thank you so much for taking the time to sit and chat to us out of your very busy schedule. It meant the absolute world. Uh, And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week... It's John Mahon. Ah. Nice to be. All I can say, John, oh, yeah. you, you look delicious. You, you know, it's, it's all good. You got the muscles are in, <laughs> the hair's in. You're fine. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. You both are very dapper as well. I'm loving the backdrop. Oh, I well, thank you. Well, thank you. Ooh. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, yeah, John, thank you so much, man. We uh, we do appreciate it massively. And all, along with the Rap Parade, you know, obviously, you know, my camera romance, hell of a band. So, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Got to represent. Um, I'm an emo through and through. Oh, good man. Good man. Um, quick lowdown. All that really happens is Jamie's going to do a really nice introduction just to, to lure everybody in, bring you into that false sense of security so you feel quite at home and safe. And, you know, it's actually quite nice to be here. And then we're going to bombard the yeah. fuck at you with questions. How does that sound? Fuck yeah. It'll be nice for the shoe to be on the other foot this time. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good There's always that extra little bit of nerves when you're interviewing an interviewer. You're like, shit, they know what we're doing. They do it better than us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, don't worry. There's zero strategy with anything that I do. It is very much fine by the seam of my pants. So I like it. Right, let's do this Mm. introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, this week we bring you a man who has dedicated his life to bringing you some of the best rock, some of the best music in the world of rock and metal. In the middle of the afternoon, no less. He's a man with many passions, including music, singing on the radio, handstands in clubs and wearing lovely vests. Boys and girls from Kerrang Radio and the John Mahon Show, it's the man with the greatest worst Amy Lee impression I have ever heard. Put your hands together as we bring you the chronicles of John Mahon. (laughs) Holy shit, that was amazing. I... I've never received an introduction as flattery. Thank you ever so yes. much for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, John, it's, it's great to have you here. I think uh, we should really get into that hard-hitting shit straight away. How has the last few years been for you? How was your pandemic season? Oh, pandemic was horrible. Like, I don't like being in the same space for too long and... Locking me inside four walls is a very, very dangerous 
idea. As it is for quite a lot of people, I'm, I think I've got undiagnosed ADHD, which doesn't really help. So, like, sitting still as a whole just, just doesn't really bode well with me. But, yeah, it was tough, man. Like, obviously, it had a big knock-on effect on the nightlife industry that it's still not really recovered from. But one amazing thing that did come out of it was it bolstered the community of the radio show that I was doing. That's where I really noticed the change. Obviously, that working from home aspect, people turned on the radio. They just wanted a voice. They just wanted a bit of company. And the the community that grew out of the pandemic through that daytime show was unlike anything I've really experienced before working in rock media. And it was so awesome to see. And it was it was a proper example of, you know, like the stereotypical like family of like Talica when they're down like, they're like, we're one big family. <laughs> it was it was that it was that come to life. <laughs> <laughs> I got to agree with that because the, the way I discovered you in the show is because when my wife was working at home during lockdown, she put Krang Radio on. So and that is that is how I Amazing. discovered you. And I was like, "Who is this man singing on the radio?" I, I like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, the, the the singing gimmick. I I can't take any credit for that. It actually came from a family. I wish I could remember their name, but basically, like the father reached out and said that like him and his kids were listening to Kerrang! so much that at the end of the show, they try and work out what songs are going to kick off the show the next day. And they'd have like a little family leaderboard for who like guessed the correct bands. And I was like, that's a genius idea. So yeah, I modified it a little bit. And initially I'd like, I just gave out three clues and then I started giving out lyrical clues and then like, I couldn't resist the urge to not sing some of the lyrical clues. And then it just <laughs> evolved into me forcing people to listen to me sing on the radio before they've even had their lunch. <laughs> <laughs> before we get into the good stuff though take us back sir what did young master mayhem want to be when he was growing up was it always radio or something completely different it was something totally different so if you if we're throwing it all the way back when i was probably like six or seven years old if you if you'd have asked that kid he would have wanted to be a professional rugby player so that was yeah that that was my initial dreams as a child my old man was a rugby coach i dedicated his life to the sport and like very much so you know like young boy wanting to make his daddy proud like it was like mm. i want to be a pro rugby player and then like the older i got the more i was like i'm an all right rugby player but i'm not quite like a professional rugby player <laughs> like, like, the realization hit and i also discovered rock music at the time and i started going to gigs and i started showing up to a couple of training sessions a little bit hungover so like there was there was a couple of matches in secondary school where once me and my group of friends discovered house parties. Like there was a few of us on the sideline on a Saturday morning being like, <laughs> "If you tackle me, I'm going to be chundering all over you, basically. That's what's going to happen right here, boy. All right, so a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I have actually seen many a man throw up on a rugby touchline. Like again, like." some of the beauty of playing like with some of the code, uh, there's some of the clubs that my old man coached at. I actually got to play with like, like men, like grown men at like 19, 20 years old. I was playing with, you know, like 30 year olds, 40 year olds. And um, there was one thing they used to do. They call it vets day where like veterans who used to play for the club used to turn up and they'd have had like a president's ball the night before and then like the game the next day. And you'd see so many of these like 40 year old blokes who'd gone too hard on the hammerlack the night before just stood there literally throwing up behind the post. Like you'd have like people having cigarettes during the team talk at halftime. It was, it was the least athletic showcase you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> were you, uh, were you a winner? 
Uh, no, it wasn't. I was a fly half. I, I had a mean uh, right foot on me. Like, I have been known to hit a couple of penalties from inside my own half in my time. It's a very humble brag. Like, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think I got my boot anymore. And, like, I tore my Achilles DJing a couple oh. of years ago, and I'm yet, I'm, I'm yet to kick a ball since then. So I don't know if I've still got my boot on me. Oh, no way. That's gutting. Yeah. Elliot Daly obviously saw you and went, fucking hell, I think I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think I've inspired a couple of generations of rugby players to follow in my footsteps, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I, I did have this mention later on, but as you brought it up, I'm going to have to ask now. The Achilles. How the hell did you yeah. damage your Achilles in a nightclub? What the hell did you do? Uh, was it like, it wasn't even at a nightclub. It was at the Heavy Music Awards, which like, I don't know if it makes it better or worse. I, I think it makes it worse because like I wasn't even drunk when I did it. Like I'd been working that night. So like, that night at the Heavy Music Awards, they they were doing a live stream on a bus outside and then they were having the awards show on the inside. So I was on the bus outside with a very good friend of mine, Tasman Taylor, and we were hosting the sort of online live stream coverage. And then that wrapped up and then I go into the venue and I think I had like an hour DJ set and literally it was my second to last song in the end by Linkin Park and like just before Chester drops that, I put my trust. Like I thought I'd do like a little tuck jump in tribute to Chester. Like, he was known for like, you know, just before something kicks in, a little tuck jump. And as I did it, I landed and the feeling, it felt like something on stage had like gone wrong and like a cable had come hurtling and slapped me around the back of my legs. It felt like a whip had just cracked me around the back of the legs. And I turned around to be like, what was that? And I looked around and there was nothing behind me. And I was like, that's not a good sign. That's really not a good sign. So, Yeah. Tore my Achilles. I knew instantly that I tore my Achilles as well. Like, there's an on-site medic, and I was like, I think I've torn my Achilles. And they were like, What happened? I was like, I jumped and something else. I really hurts. And they're like, That sounds like a torn Achilles. Oh, dude. Yeah. Would not recommend it. It's not fun. Damn you in the end. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. I like. I, I wanted. I wanted to Dave. I wanted to Dave Grohl it. I always end my sets on Welcome to the Black Parade, but like. It was because Slam Dunk, Leeds and Hatfield were the next day. Well, I was DJing the pre-party for Leeds the next day. Then it was Slam Dunk, Leeds and Hatfield the two days after that. I was like, I need to get to a hospital as soon as possible and figure out if I can actually do the shit i got to do this weekend. <laughs> oh, John. I, I feel yeah. for you. I, I feel for you. Have you ever been tempted to see if it's... I mean, obviously walking must be all right now, surely. Walking's fine. I can run. I can like I've been bouncing around on stage. All right. I'm just yet. I'm yet to kick a ball again. And like I don't know if it's gonna be a bittersweet thing. Whether I could just tear my Achilles again straight away. All the other one yeah. could go. Because like one thing, <laughs> one thing they said to me, like one thing they said to me in the hospital is like just be careful because it's really common once one goes for the other one to go. And I was like, oh great, so I could go through this whole process again. Oh, like, sometimes the sequel's better than the original. <laughs> I find that really weird. It's almost like your muscles are going, oh, well, Brian's gone. Fuck it. That means I'm going soon. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No. Yeah. It's 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 the old saying that your mum used to come out with. It's like, well, if they jumped off a bridge, would you do it as well? Like the Achilles are like, yeah, I would. <laughs> oh, mate. I love it. But what actually, you said that you got into to rock music, obviously, during school and stuff. Is that how, how did you discover it? Or like, what what made you fall in love with such wonderful tunage uh, yeah um busted if i'm being brutally honest so like i was nice. i was yeah i was a kid of the charts like you know just when you first discover music i had like I, we had sky tv at home so like i'd 
you know, when you're bored, you just flip through the music channels. And like, to begin with, it was like very generic. It was like the Now That's What I Call Music. I remember my first Now That's What I Call Music had Gasolina by Daddy Yankee on it. And ever since then, I've loved that song. And I, I love the fact that it's in the new Fast and Furious trailer. Like it's been taking me way back. So I remember that. But then, yeah, because, I think because of that, like I then gravitated towards Busted just because of the fact that it was like a, a band kind of setup. And then once I started like looking into Busted, I realized they were influenced by like Green Day and like Blink-182. So then obviously like started discovering like the more pop punk side. And then, yeah, like after pop punk, that's when like pop punk was the first sort of rock genre that I fell in love with. So it was, yeah, like your Green Days, Bowling for Soup, uh, Blink-182 and following on from that that's when i kind of discovered metal first metal band i fell in love was bullet for my valentine and then off the back of bullet that educated me on slipknot and then my first slipknot album cycle was the all hope is gone one and that was my first arena gig which was slipknot machine head and children of bottom as a lineup which is pretty fucking which is pretty fucking tasty yeah and I, that was that was a big introduction to like metal gigs for me because like i was like i must have been like 14 years old at the time and i lost everything at that show i lost my t-shirt my belt my phone a shoe a sock somehow so like my mom came to pick me up and thought i'd been mugged <laughs> i was like that was just a mosh pit are you okay honey are you okay yeah that was the best night of my fucking life mom yeah i was like i want to do it again <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. Yeah, weird. but weirdly, we were talking about it on my show recently because I, I was asking people, I was like, you know, what was 13, 14, 15 year old you listening to? But then, like, as I was telling the story on the radio, I realized at 15, that's when my music taste got a bit weird because, like, because of listening to Slipknot, I then fell in love with like the really, really heavy stuff. But I still had the now that's what I call music stuff that I've been collecting on like my iPods and stuff. So, my playlist, if I put it on shuffle at any point, could go from like, Christina Aguilera dirty to suicide silence bludgeoned to death. Like it could literally just jump like that. <laughs> You've got to have an eclectic music taste. Busted were always one of those bands that everyone was like, oh, they're so shit. But secretly, deep down, you know that everyone loved them. Deep down, everyone fucking 100%. loved Busted. As soon as the year 3000 started, everybody like, a bit, oh no, I don't know the lyrics. What are you on about? This is shit. What are you fucking <laughs> Not much has changed, but they live underwater. <laughs> Oh, dude, like, thing is, they, they got Hidden James as well. I remember when they came out and they did, you know, the secret set of Slam Dunk a couple of years ago. Yes. And they played 3AM. And not only had forgotten oh. how much of a banger 3AM was, but Charlie actually busted out a scream towards the end of it. And I was like, oh, you can take the boy out of Fight Star. <laughs> I was there. I was there for that. It was fucking amazing. Ah, oh, what a show. What a secret set as well. I'm hoping No Effects might be the secret set this year because, you know, they're doing the farewell shows, but I don't know if logistically they can make that work because I'd love to see No Effects one last time, but I can't because I'm doing Slammy. Oh, well, I'm, I'm happy to say that I've got tickets to the upcoming Busted Tour, so I cannot wait. Oh, May, that's going to be huge. That's I get to see Hanson as well. Fuck yes, I cannot wait. Oh, <sighs> Oh, but exactly. So just listening to you on the radio and talking to you now, you know, you have a big personality and combined with your love of music. Did you never want to go down like the musician path yourself? Was it always just, no, I'm good. Just listening to it. So I like it. It's one thing that I actually like really regret is something that like I conditioned myself to say in my teens, because I used to get that question like, all the time. Like people be like, are you in a band? And I'd be like, no, nah. Like, I can't play any instruments, but I can talk about the people who can. 
and like people would laugh at that. And every time I got a laugh out of it, I just started recycling the line because I thought it was a funny line to say. But then that mentally conditioned me to believe in that I didn't have the talent to do something that I later in life learned that I was more than capable of doing had I just applied myself at that mm. previous point. And now I'm in a position where like with my DJing, I'm making mashups and I'm venturing into remix kind of territory. And the natural next progression after that is originals. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, it's not a million miles away. It's not as complex as I first convinced myself that it was. It, and yeah, it requires talent. It requires dedication. It requires a lot of your time. It requires patience. And it was stuff that I'd convinced myself that I was like incapable of having. So I'm annoyed at myself for never venturing down those routes. But hopefully one day I'll, I'd, I'd very much love to because I think that, especially with DJing, like I've been I've been a DJ in nightclubs for 10 years now. I started when I was 19 years old and 29 and this this will have been my 10th year in the nightlife industry. And I look at a lot of my heroes within the biggest sphere of DJing, like your Skrillexes, Elleniums, Diplos, like those kinds of producers and whilst yeah they all did start somewhere within the club djing kind of sphere they then progressed to making their own music and releasing their own tunes and collaborating with other artists and i look at that creative process and i'm so envious of it because I'm, i've got such a vested interest in how it all goes together and I've, i wish i'd have spent more of my 20s exploring it but now i'm looking at my 30s and i'm like you know what i'd i'd very much like to dedicate a couple of afternoons evenings and weekends exploring that a little bit more do it do it it's never too late never too late but hell yeah obviously didn't, Sam, didn't samuel jackson get into acting at like 40 yeah. oh yeah for sure and it's like you know you look at um yeah. spirit box at the moment like courtney Pla- courtney laplante is 34 years old and spirit box are arguably the biggest band within the metalcore genre at the moment like i don't think there's many metalcore bands that are doing it in the way that spirit box are at the moment and it's like i think a lot especially in this industry they put similar in acting as well like people convince you that once you hit a certain age you pass your sell by date and then it's like who's the next up and coming thing whereas like you know you look at like ageless talents over the years like someone like a robin williams who you know like no one no one really knows what robin williams looked like like what his work looked like when he was like first starting out in like you know his 20s it wasn't until he hit his 30s and his 40s where you really got prime robin williams and like i'm a big pro wrestling guy undertaker was wrestling his best matches at 45 years old and it's like you look at me and tell me that you wouldn't want to go back in time and watch undertaker Shawn michaels at wrestlemania and say that oh yeah but taker was too old though wasn't he it's like no he wasn't no (laughs) that that first taker michaels match Oh my ass! Um, I thought he killed himself though when he when he dived over top of him his head. A masterpiece. Oh yeah, the the botch where because um, that was another pro wrestler who was meant to catch him, wasn't it? And like um, the cameraman was meant to catch him, and that was like the part of the botch. And whoever that wrestler was didn't really last long in the WWE after that. Those that uh, like you almost Jimmy Jimmy Snooker's son, if memory serves. Right, was it Jimmy Snooker's son? Even better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. <laughs> I, never, I never liked snooker. Well, uh, less said about that guy, the better, I think. Um, <laughs> so obviously you're known from the world of radio, but, but what was your original plan in the world of entertainment? Was radio always the goal or was it happy doing DJing? What, what was it? So when 
I first started, it was like, I, I feel like there's not many people who kind of like start in this way anymore in the sense that like, because of how companies and like HRs and all those kinds of things have progressed, like the whole idea of having the work experience kid is like a dying art form almost. But I, w- I was a work experience kid. So at 16 years old, um, after my GCSEs finished, my mom, shout out my mom, I owe everything in my life to my mom. If it wasn't for her, none, no, nothing that I'm achieving right now. Because I like, when you know when you finish your GCSEs and you just, like you have to do the work experience week, I literally just wanted to go do a paper round or something like that and then go see my mates in the evening. And my mom was like, no, 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 like, apply yourself. So she actually applied for me to do the work experience placement at Kerrang Radio when it was based in Birmingham. I got approved for it, did the week, fell in love with it, and then was just like, if you get any more, please just throw it my way. They had a dropout a couple of weeks later. I did that one. I again was like, if you got anything else, just let me know. And then they were like, we can't offer you any money, but there's a show that needs a producer. And I was like, I can come in after school and do it. So after my GCSEs, my last two years of sick form, finish school, hop on a bus into Birmingham City Centre and go and produce a radio show from whatever time I got there till about 10pm. My mum would come pick me up, take me home, do my homework and then go into school the next day. And I did that Monday to Friday for two for the last two years of my secondary education. So um, I, I, I put the hours in from a very young age. And at, at that point in time, if you'd have asked that guy, he just wanted any opportunity any opportunity that came his way i was going to say yes to and like like i think one thing that reassured me that this career path was something that like i wasn't wasting my time on was when a load of the kerrang presenters got asked to put demo tapes together to voice something for kerrang tv it was like a chart show and my boss turned around to me and he was like do it because it'll be a good experience for you and i was like sweet so i remember i I'd put hours into this demo. Like I'd, I'd record it. Like I'd take it home. I'd listen to it all evening. I'd go back in the next day. I'd rework it. I'd put my submission in and then forgot about it for like two months. And then my boss pulled me into the studio and I get nervous every time I get pulled into a studio. Cause I'm like, is this the day they're going to get rid of me? And he's like, <laughs> oh, I've got some good news for you. They've, they've chosen you to do this crane TV show. And I was like, what? So out of all the presenters there, they'd chosen this, this six or 17, 18 year old kid who didn't have his own show on the stage. I hadn't been on air on Kerrang radio at that point. They've been training me and getting me to do demo tapes. I hadn't been put on air on the radio station, but the TV channel chose me to do this chart. And I just remember being like over the moon. It was the coolest shit in the world. I was like, I was like this, I was like, whatever variation of this I get to do, I was like, this is the feeling that I want to feel. And yeah, from that moment on, I was just like, any job that allows me to either like interact with people, play tunes to people, talk to people, or or just take people's mind off shit. Like I'm I'm all over it. That is amazing. That is what? incredible. That is amazing. That's so inspirational. Because you know, if kids are hearing this, which I kind of hope not, because we say a lot of bad things, but if you're hearing this, <laughs> you know that that shows no matter what your age, if you want to do something and you bust your balls, you can do it. And I love that. That's so. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. A hundred percent. It's weird. It's like, it's not something they'll ever teach you in a media school. Because I, like, when Kerrang closed down in Birmingham, I shit myself. I was like, I've put all of my eggs into this basket. And then I managed to blag myself a university space on a media course for a uni in Birmingham. And I turned up and, like, the guy who was teaching me on the course, so I've got a massive wasp problem in this house and they're flying with this window hard. Stay away. <laughs> um so the, yeah. 
So the guy who was like teaching the course, he did like a weekend breakfast show. And when Karenga closed down, I was the weekend breakfast show host. And I remember like ha- trying to have conversations with him as like almost like his peer, but I was being treated like a student. And I was like, dude, me and you have done the same job. I was like, the reach for the station that you worked on, the reach for the station that I worked on, relatively similar reach. I was like, we were pretty much in the same position. The only difference is, is like, I'm now your student, but I still know all the stuff that you're talking about. And I kind of like never got any respect out of any of the university lectures that I got for the stuff that I'd achieved up until that point. It was very much like they wanted to convince me that I still had more to learn and stuff to do, which obviously, you know, I'm not, I wasn't negligent. I, I knew there was stuff that I could learn, but I just wanted to be treated with respect through the stuff that I'd, I'd achieved up until that point. And then, you know, some of the, le- some of the lectures they were giving and some of the stuff that I was learning, I was like, eh, after working on a radio station, I disagree. I was like, I know that's not true. Or like, that's very different. And one thing they'll never teach you is like, is don't expect the paycheck straight away. Like if you really, really want it, especially in anything that's creative, you've got to understand that up until you get to a certain point, you won't see any financial value from it. Like it will be the case that sometimes you'll have to lose money on doing stuff it'll cost you money to go to things but turn up enough show up enough like be consistent enough build up a decent enough reputation about not just your brand but you know how how accessible you are to work with and how easy you are to work with and you know the col- the quality of the product you deliver and eventually you know I, I did i must have i must have done thousands of demo tapes i must have sat in a studio so many weekends like during my teens, just listening to my own voice again and again and again and again, just on the off chance I'd be given one shot to get on a radio show. And like, yeah, it was demoralizing every single time that like I thought I'd given in the best tape, the best demo tape, and then I get given a list of stuff that I need to work on. But eventually, like after all that, the pay the payoff's huge, but it's just it is the case of being aware that there's a lot of shit you have to wade through in order to get to the good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, persistence is key. Like it's, so I, I mean, it's the same with us too. And this, like, we've been doing this for four years, and we're still, you know, we don't, we don't see any emotional value. We just do it because we fucking love it. We do it because we love, like you were saying about love and talking to people. Like we absolutely love talking to people, um, getting to know people, networking, meeting people that way. It's great. But I mean, in radio, obviously, as the years have gone on, technology has advanced and changed so much, and like radio used to be absolutely massive. Back in the early 2000s, you know, we had like Chris Moles on Radio 1 doing breakfast show and that sort of thing. And now, obviously, most of it's digital. Do you feel that with the advancement of technology, it's kind of killing the radio industry a little bit because people can just go to Spotify now or go to Apple Music and just listen to whatever they want to? I think I think more so than anything, advertising has killed radio or at least people's love for radio. Like, because... I've 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 listened to a lot of radio adverts over the years, a lot of them, and I can tell you they are worse now than they ever have been. And like, like flat out, I refuse to eat Domino's anymore because of that last <laughs> advertising campaign because of how bad it was. You know that Domino? Oh like, yeah, I've I, like, I've I've sworn off giving money to a business that went through meetings, chains of people approving that, thinking it was a great idea. And then <laughs> I've got to sit there like a mug every time my radio show's on, listening to that four times an hour. Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, We Buy Any Car. That's getting on my tits at the moment. Yeah. Like, they've they've had a rough run at it. Like, 
Like, it, it, I just, it just annoys me about the lack of creativity in it because I know exactly, I can picture like the people who've designed those adverts. I can, like, I know, I know exactly like the kind of people that they are, like how unfun they must be, like down to their core. Like, like the kind of people who could be watching an amazing band play and look at the time and go, oh, should we, should we get out of here now and beat the traffic? And it's like, those are the kind of people who write those adverts. <laughs> oh, absolutely incredible. I love so, that. So yeah, like I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think ad, advertise, advertising's put a lot of people off. I know that like a lot of people, the reason why they enjoy the Spotify's or podcasting is, you know, even with podcasting, if someone drops an advert, you can fast forward through it. Like with radio, you don't get that option, and, and then like that's been the awesome thing about Crang offering the premium service, and they had a lot of take up from that because people wanted. People just want the tunes in the chat. And sometimes people don't even want the chat. They just want the tunes. And that's totally, totally fine. And, like, one thing I've always enjoyed, especially, like, as a DJ in, like, various different realms, is that I used to do a show on Team Rock Radio when that was a thing. And it was, like, it was Graveyard Shift. It was, like, 2 till 6 a.m. But, like, I could get away with, like, and it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't live. That was a pre-rec one. Like, no chance I'm going to sit there, like, <laughs> like, four hours in the middle of the night doing a show to, like, no one. But, but the people who did listen to it were the people who were working the night shifts. And, like, you build up a rapport with people who were working those kinds of hours and the kind of things they actually want. And I realized that, like, they actually wanted to be stimulated intellectually. Like if they're working those kinds of hours, they want something that keeps their brain active and going. And one thing weirdly that I got a lot of great praise and feedback from, I had a feature called, uh, it was like some, it was like something stupid. It was like, um, like seven minutes, uh, sorry, seven minutes of stairways to heaven or some, something stupid like that. The premise being like, there'd be one song on every show that would be over seven minutes long. And I'd like do like a big build up link into it. Like, here's why I'm playing this one. And like, that that was the thing that got the most feedback out of anything on that show and it was because people would people who were working the shift or being awake at those times would know for the next seven minutes they've got a piece of music that they can dedicate their mind to that they can form an opinion of and then they can reach out and say something about and it just like if they if they sat there working during that time it's something that just makes that clock tick a little bit faster and that's that for me has always been the beauty of radio is the fact that it is a, a tool it's a freedom tool to like alleviate whatever people are dealing with like i think it was scott mills on his last show he said if you're ever feeling alone you ever feel like nothing else is going right for you in the world if you feel like you need a friend just turn on the radio and it's so true because like as as an art form like it is one of the oldest ways of like direct communication via music to people and it's like it, it's it's been a beautiful tool for years but yeah to your point because that was quite the tangent to your point yeah i do think that technology has affected it i mean like with kerrang the reason we closed down in birmingham like all those years ago was because the company was switching directions and they wanted to put planet rock on the dab frequency dab frequency obviously very very expensive so with that in mind they're putting all their eggs into that basket of like this is the brand that we're now pushing on the dab front we'll take kerrang we'll move it to an online product and if anything with the demographic that Kerrang targets, which is way more the internet-based generation than it kind of is the radio generation now. Very smart business move. I mean, we love a tangent, so don't ever apologize for tangents, John. <laughs> <laughs> Tangents are our bread and butter. We absolutely love them. We love just sitting back and just letting someone go, especially when it's a rant about a dominant. Yeah. That made it so much better. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. 
So hmm. I know you worked for Scuzz as well back in the day, didn't you? As a host for Scuzz TV, is that right? I did indeed, correct. Was that your first on-air role, or was the Kerrang TV stuff first? Uh, so Kerrang, so Kerrang TV was the first time I ever broadcast anywhere, and that was doing the official Kerrang Rock chart that I think aired on like Saturday mornings or something. Then after that, I got on as what they call the swing presenter. So I was basically there to just jump in and cover anyone who was like ill. And then I did a couple of good shows on that. Then they gave me weekend breakfast. So Saturday and Sunday morning, I'd be on air. But the the first ever radio show that I ever did was, I want to say it was either Saturday or Sunday. And it was the afternoon one, two till six. And I wanted to get an interview on for it because everyone in the station always had interviews. I was like, I've got to have an interview on my first show. And... Sorry, is that? There we go. Um, I've got to have an interview on my first show. And I hit up Pritchard from Dirty Sanchez. And he drove from Wales to Birmingham and gave one of the most open and honest interviews I've ever done. But some of the stories he was telling were so gnarly. And I kept on having to go out of my edit to a producer and be like, can we talk about him losing a game of Trivial Pursuit and having to put a drill bit through his hand? Like, is that like, is that okay <laughs> to go on air? <laughs> I was going to say, we interviewed um, Chris Rabb from Jackass and the stories they tell, not really radio friendly. So fair play for managing to make that work. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a lot of there was a lot of back and forth between me and the producer on that one. And like a lot of the stories made it to where that I was surprised by. I didn't expect as many of them to actually get get the thumbs up as they did. But he's a man that's turned his life around as well, isn't he, Pritchard? Isn't he like a, a vegan chef or something now? Or... He is indeed. Yeah, like, I've, I've got so much love and respect for that man. One of the reasons I actually, like, went vegan, like, was because of Pritchard. Like, the the way in which, like, he, like, dramatically changed his life around, obviously being, like, the party guy, and then, like, started taking on, like, these incredible, like, challenges, like, these triathlons and, like, these marathons and, like, these huge, huge, like, feats of fitness. Um Sorry, one second. I've just got someone calling me. I seem to tell them to give me a second. The power of editing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm so glad this isn't live. I forgot to check. (laughs) You're all good. (laughs) Your concentration face isn't that bad, so you're all right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. Have I done it? Is that? Oh, yeah, right. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about uh, that. You're all good. Um, You're all good. Yeah. Yeah, Pritchard. Yeah, amazing human being. And the fact that, like, someone who was so synonymous with partying just went, okay, cool, yeah, I'm going to take my foot off that gas pedal for a second and go and apply it to something like like literally the most extreme physical sports you can do. Like, unbelievable transformation stories. Yeah, nothing nothing but love for the Sanchez boys. They're, they're very, very good human beings. Amazing. With Just going back to your radio show, I mean, do you get to pick what you play or is it like this is a list of what you can play, just pick from this, or they give you a set list already. How does it work? So not just Grand, but state, most stations as a whole, and they operate on uh, A, B, and C list kind of structure. So if you look at uh, BBC Radio 1 social media, every 
it's either every Friday or every Monday, they'll post their updated playlist rotation. So it'll be like A list is like big bands, big releases. B list is like up and coming big bands with big releases. And then C list is kind of like new up and coming artists. And that will depend on the rotation that they come around in on the radio station. So, I mean, it's, it, it's across the board in terms of radio, like that's, that's how the majority of radio stations operate. So yeah, yeah, the same with Kerrang. So it's it's a playlist that is is generated every single week. But um there's a there's a little bit of flexibility here and there, you know, with like say for example, if we've got like interviews on and that kind of stuff, obviously you want more songs from the band who's coming on and joining the show to be on the station. So, you know, we'll switch over a couple of songs to have the interview going into like a, a song that they have released or like a new album track or something like that. But yeah, for the, for the most part, unless you're a specialist show, which I guess for Kerrang would be someone like Alex Baker, Alex, shout out Alex Baker, by the way, I, as far as, people in the rock music industry go who haven't had as many flowers as they deserve like alex is i i think he put something on twitter a couple of weeks ago he's never missed an unsigned show and that show's been running for something ridiculous like a decade and he is through yeah yeah exactly through thick and thin he has been there for upcoming bands and he's been responsible for playing bands on the radio for the first time like Don Broco, Def Havana, Lower Than Atlantis. He was on Bastille before anyone, absolutely anyone. Like he was playing Floors on his unsigned show before Bastille were even signed to a major record label. So his his show has always been selected and chosen by him and he's like he's what you call a specialist presenter whereby like it's all selected based on what he's listening to, what he wants to support and champion. So there's a few of those, few of those shows that kick around, but for the majority of daytime and evening show presenters, like you kind of get like your set selection. Okay. So for example, like you mentioned, Alex, then obviously with the up and comers and with the new music and stuff, is there any, if you say you discovered somebody and you're like, let's, let's take, because everyone's talking about Sleep Token at the moment. Um, like, say, for example, Sleep Token were brand new, and you were like, oh, my God, you just shake his band out, can I play him on the show? Would you be able to do that? That's that's a bit of a tricky one. There's, there's certain stuff that I can pitch to the head of music. So every radio station has a head of music, as someone who oversees the whole process. And as presenters, you do get the opportunity to be like, hey, like, because obviously as a head of music, you're constantly getting bombarded with, like PRs and promos and mm. pluggers being like, play this, play this, play this. But then also for, you know, say for example, a band blows up on the internet, like a sleep token, like a bad omens, like you might have like your ear to the ground so hard on one side that you miss something else. And like, it's, it's a very challenging job. And it's something that I've got a lot of respect for people who do, because it is, it's one of those jobs where you've just got to be on it 24 seven. So, I mean, yeah, like as presenters, we, it, it's almost our duty to help out, the the people who are a part of that higher up chain at the radio station who have these other jobs to be like oh by the way just in case you've missed this like this is popping off at the moment or i've noticed this band are doing numbers on this front keep an eye on them or like maybe we should look at trying to like incorporate these guys on daytimes a little bit more because they're they're starting to come through and like it's it's one of my favorite parts about working for a radio station is is the 
the process of watching a band go through the ranks like i think like as people who work in the music industry like you can, you can attest that as well when you do see a band go from playing like you know those 100 200 cap venues the proper little sweat boxes and then all of a sudden it's like oh they're playing in front of a couple of thousand people they're a bit higher up on the festival bills they get a main stage slot and then all of a sudden you're like go on like let's go <laughs> Especially, it does feel like a bit like it's your baby. I've been championing these. This is amazing to see them rise oh. up. Hell yeah! Like they ne- they never needed their help in my career. But Twenty One Pilots, I discovered them <laughs> when I was working for a nightclub in Birmingham, just doing like their online stuff. Like I was like writing website articles, and I just needed like a filler article for the day, just like ten new songs to check out. And I was just skimming through YouTube, and I saw the music video for Car Radio, and I was like who are this band because i think they might be my new favorite band and this has never happened before i went straight to their website i looked at their tour dates and they were in birmingham that night i went and bought a ticket i turned up to the show it was at the institute is it i want to say it was the institute too in birmingham and genuinely this the show had like three quarters sold like it wasn't sold out and i turned up i watched the gig I didn't take my phone out of my pocket once. I didn't say a single word to anyone. I just watched the gig. I got on the bus home. I got back to my house and I was living my best mate at the time. And he was like, where have you been? And I was like, I just went to watch a gig. He was like, was it any good? And I was like, I think that's my new favorite band of all time. And he was like, was it that good? And I was like, genuinely. <laughs> and like, and then I just wouldn't, I wouldn't shut up about them. And then like, that was, that was towards the end of the Vessel album cycle. And they hadn't really done all that much in the UK. And then, straight off the back of that they dropped stressed out the first single off blurry face and all of a sudden it was just boom <coughs> that's about yeah, imagine that was, that. that was awesome to watch yeah. imagine that discovering a band like, oh they're in my hometown tonight sweet i know where i'm going <laughs> yeah never ha- literally never happened before never happened and like i didn't like car radio was the only song that i listened to before going to that show like i just i was like fuck it i was like i don't need anything else i was like i'll let them educate me on what they got and I was just sat there like, this is this is phenomenal. That's amazing. <laughs> did they play Car Radio though? Because I'd been so annoyed if they didn't play that one song. I know they did. That's they right. did. They did play Car Radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that was it. It was the the big tunes at that time were Car Radio, House of Gold, and the last song that the song they've always ended their sets on trees as well. And like they did, they did the gimmick that night where like they climbed on the drums. Oh, sorry, they put the drums out into the crowd and like they were drumming from the crowd. And I was like, this band, man. And then just yeah, like getting getting to watch the evolution of them over the years. Like as I said, like they'd they'd have blown up regardless of like any industry support on whatever level like that band were always destined to be festival headliners from the get-go like they were just two of the talent the two of the most talented dudes are what they do and yeah watching watching the progression of that is it's probably alongside bring with the horizon it's been one of my favorite bands to just watch progress over the years that's amazing so we're saying that about the radio show how you know there's the playlist so everyone gets to play but how do you make your show stand out to be this is John Mahantra, this is my show. What what does your mentality go into? How do you make it stand out to all the other guys? That's that's a phenomenal question because I I was very very lucky in how I got bought into radios as an industry. I'll I'll always shout out James Walsh, who was the head of Kerrang Radio when I first joined it. He was as far as like mentors go, he was 
probably the best first mentor I could have ever hoped to have had. I've had some really great bosses over the years, really, really great bosses like uh, Moose, who was the boss at Team Rock Radio. He's now Primordial Radio. Um, Alex Heron, who was the head of channel at Skos TV, that then became Ollie Rout, who was the head of channel at Skos TV, who's now uh, working with me on the John Mahon show. Like I've I've really been blessed over the years to have some amazing mentors in this industry. But James Walsh gave me a bit of advice that to this day I have in the back of my head anytime there's a microphone live in front of my face, which is whoever's listening to you has got to feel like they're sat opposite you at a pub and that you're not talking to this whole, it could be anywhere from 50, 500, 5,000, 500,000 people listening at any given time. You've got to make that one person feel like it is just you and them. And my biggest, my biggest, biggest, biggest pet hate, and it became a booming trend when you started seeing like the sort of YouTubeification and like TikTokification of presenting, which is people going, hey, you guys, hey, you guys, hey, you guys. <laughs> I like, I like a, a part of my presenting soul dies anytime a presenter refers to their audience as you guys. Like instantly I check out, instantly. I'm like, you lost me. Like for me, like the connections always got to be personal. I know I refer to like, the people who listen to my show as my friends because like as a plural, but like that's kind of like, the only time I really like put a plural on the people that I'm talking to is when I refer to it as my friends. Other than that, it's you. Like, cause I'm talking straight to you. So like, yeah, there's a, hopefully there's a couple more people listening than just you, but like I am communicating directly to you. And whenever I watch any presenters or listen to any presenters, like the ones that I connect with the most are the ones that make me feel like they're talking to me and they're having a conversation with me and I'm part of what they're doing. So that's always been a fundamental part of the process, but also just giving people the opportunity to nerd out about stuff like, I've only, as a presenter, I've only ever seen myself as a catalyst. Like, I'm not the centre of attention. Like, it, my name might be on the show or, like, on the eye dents that play in between songs or whatever, but, like, I've never, I never see anything that I'm doing as mine. I always see it as, like, an hour kind of thing because, like, if I'm interviewing a band, then I'm a catalyst between the fan of that band and the, the person who's in the band. Like, I'm the in-between that gets the good stuff out of the artist to the people who love and adorn that artist. And, like... As far as like my presenting career has gone, I've always endeavoured to be nothing more than someone who either tells stories or facilitates people telling stories. And I think I always think that's a really important thing to anyone who wants to start presenting. Like, like as you boys have said, like you love stories, you love telling stories, you love hearing stories. And it's like I like Dave Chappelle tells an amazing bit about it, like in one of his stand-up specials about how like in like African tribes or villages, there's like one person who is like given the role of learning all the stories about the people in the village and the history of the village. And when that person dies, they say it's akin to a library burning down because all of these stories and all of these memories leave with this one person. And his mom turned around to him and said, that's you. There's a specific name for it within African culture. I can't remember what the name of it is, but Dave Chappelle's mom said to him, he's like, that's you. You're one of those people. And I was like, that's phenomenal. Cause that's what I've always seen myself as is just someone who collects stories, who relays them in different fashions to people. That is beautiful. Wow. I love that. Yeah, I love so... that so much. <laughs> <laughs> I was so into what you were saying then. As soon as you start speaking, you're like, oh shit, yeah, I need to say something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all good, man. Like, 
uh, there's a little bit more than me than just the guy who sings three songs from time to time. I do I do pick up some stuff from other people that's worth <laughs> that's worth referring to every now and then. <laughs> um, just off that absolutely beautiful moment now where we just listened to you speak for the last 10 minutes i just want to segue really really quickly because you got to be witness to one of the greatest moments in wwe history when the hardys returned at wrestlemania like oh i remember 2017 2018 i think it was wasn't it and i was sat in my bedroom and i had it on and when that music hit I, I think I was about as near as loud as the crowd. At first, the house didn't come down and actually screened the place down. But to be there must have been unbelievable. Bro. <laughs> Bro. Like, <laughs> like I've, I've been privy to some, to, to some loud sounds in my life. Like, up until that point, the loudest sound that I'd heard from a crowd was... I went to the. It was, do you remember when iTunes used to do the music festival? And they used to take over the Roundhouse in London, and they book mm. like silly big names for like a week in London. Yes, they booked five seconds of summer, and somehow I ended up at the gig. And it was like one of the first big kind of shows five seconds of summer done. And they came out on stage, and the sound of teenage girls screaming like borderline deafened me. I was like, like I, I've never put my fingers in my ears before at a gig. That was the first time I was like, I can't, I can't. That hurts. So that was the loudest sound I've ever heard from a crowd. And then then I heard that at WrestleMania. And like it genuinely sounded like like an air like like you were right behind an aeroplane as it was taken off. It was like deafening. But like you know when like you scream so loud yourself that you just start seeing stars? Like I was seeing stars whilst like the first five minutes first first, uh, first five minutes of the match was kicking off. I was still there being like, I don't know which way's up. Like it was yeah it was it was unbelievable and like, that was my first wrestlemania as well and like the elation the elation of the hardy boys returning and then having to watch lesnar i know roman reigns beat taker in the main event it was like oh, ah! oh, i forgot that was the yeah. same year oh yeah mm. yeah, we, yeah we, we should, for me was, for me that's when taker retired though that was when taker retired that night everything after that I'd like no, like that for me was the last the last time we saw the Undertaker. Man left his hat and his gloves and his ring and like broke character and kissed his wife for the first time. I was like, that was the end of Undertaker. Everything else was kind of like post credit scene. But I mean, the AJ Styles match was decent. I really, I know obviously it was COVID times and had to yeah. do it in a weird in a weird place or whatever. But I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will give you that. And I was really bummed at the the Cena match after watching that documentary, you know, when he squashed Cena at Mania, oh, yeah. Taker was like, Taker did that documentary. And he was like, nah, man, he's like, I could have gone for 20 if I wanted to. And I was like, I was like, oh, they robbed us of that. <laughs> I was like, take, Taker could have gone 20 minutes. I, I was, I'm sure there was probably like a segment involving Elias that night that could have gotten fucking cut for the sake of us getting an extra couple of minutes out of Taker one last time at Mania. Wasn't Elias part of it? Wasn't he? Mm. Was he playing? No, yeah, no, no. That wanted... was um, that was thirty-five. I was at thirty-five for that one in New York, um, and that was uh, Elias and Cena. And Cena came out as the Doctor of Thugonomics and wrapped up yes. against wrapped up against Elias. Oh yeah. <laughs> Vince oh, obviously losing his mind at that point. Um, but I saw because because obviously when they did the top ten of all time and Taker was like ninth, I think. 
Like that is yeah. absolutely criminal. The fact that Hogan was first yeah. is like why? Uh, sure, Michael should be in the top five in my dude, opinion. That's- dude, like yeah, te- like I take as my favorite wrestler of all time. Like hands down, without question. Like, if, we talk- if we're talking, sorry, if we're talking greatest wrestlers of all time, it would be Taker. The one that influenced me the most was Jeff Hardy, but greatest wrestler of all time. No questions asked as The Undertaker. Like, I don't care what you say. No one has had the track record that Taker has had in terms of like, you know how everyone from that generation has had a problem or an issue or like uh, like there's there's a mark on their ledger that says, hey, you're not quite perfect. Like Taker is as close to perfect as a pro wrestler could have been. He lived that gimmick his entire goddamn life. And it's like at some point, the industry broke everyone else. It broke Sean. It broke Hogan. Like to an extent, it broke Triple H as well. But Taker, like it never broke Taker. You're absolutely right. You can't can't argue that at all. You're absolutely right. And plus, some of the coolest in like entrances ever. Ah, uh, did you ever get to see it? Did you ever get to see it live? I yes. I haven't. I never actually saw Taker live when I've been to wrestling. Yeah, I've well, seen it three or four yeah, times. It, good they're like yeah it, I'm, I'm sorry you didn't get to see it i hope hopefully like it comes out at a show that you're on or something just so you can like at least get the entrance because yeah when when that music kicks in and you start getting the pyro like it it quite literally is like chills like but i remember when he made his entrance at 33 and like where we were sat like we were literally like looking we had it like because you know it was the the theme gra- uh, the what was it the like Florida theme park, theme yeah. park rides. Yeah, that's it. Like all of those, like as the backdrop. So literally like our view was just like ring, ramp and that. So like we were looking at the whole thing unfolding. It was oh. unbelievable. And yeah, just what, watching Taker make his entrance, especially like in a state that it is the grandest stage in the world. I know it's like the most cliche phrase in the world, <laughs> but it quite literally is the grandest stage of them all. Like you, you don't, I like I personally have never ever seen the stage like that unless I went to like a dance festival like Tomorrowland I guess where it'd probably be something of that kind of scale but yeah like if you ever get a chance to do a mania do it because it's if you're if you've ever been a pro wrestling fan in any way shape or form do a mania just give give yourself one that that like they're never not worth going to no I'd love, I'd love to go to one I really would I've never got the chance but I'd absolutely love to go to one isn't isn't 40 next as well isn't it 40 next year 40 next year it is indeed, yeah. yeah. If current booking is to be believed, it's going to be more Roman Reigns for the next couple of years. Until Dominic Mysterio takes the title off him. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom, hates, Tom hates my love for Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> to be I fair, can't. though, like, the, the heat on that kid is real, man. I went to the WWE live event in Birmingham and, like, Dominic wasn't even in the match. He was just on the outside and like the entire crowd were just ripping into him. Like even kids were being like, your mullet shit. And it's like, you're five. How can you say that? I was at the Manchester one and he was in the match against Dolph Ziggler and literally just got, he got hate like the whole way through. It was absolutely amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they said Ray's actually said that he regrets not uh, putting him over at Mania. But I, th- I think if Ray's going to continue, like the the feud is obviously like mask versus career or whatever. Like put it put it on the line like that, or put Ray's mask and career on the line or something like that, and have Dominic take it then because that would be like the ultimate heel move. Like if you've got Dominic coming out wearing Ray's mask every single week, oh the heat. 
Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I completely agree with that. If he if he won, then Ray should have retired. So yeah, I completely agree. So before we let you go, we should mention that not only a radio host, you also host the John Mahan Show, where you gave that beautiful Amy yeah. Lee impression, like I said earlier. So for those who know, <laughs> what exactly is the John Mahan Show? So basically, I love to talk in case you couldn't tell i'm a bit of a rambler on occasions and the undiagnosed adhd sometimes takes the reins and i just go off on one and i've i've never had anything that's just totally talk based music's always been integrated in it in some way shape or form and i was looking at it and i was like if i'm going to talk i want it to be video based and i want it to be live video based and I want to bring that element back of like having live interviews because I think that like there's not really anywhere that you get that kind of energy from something being live from in that aspect anymore like even the majority of like radio stuff or press stuff when it gets to a certain level you know when you see like bands like bring me doing like morning shows when they got the album coming out that's as kind of live as it gets but even then they're still restricted by obviously your offcom regulations as to what you can and can't say whereas on the internet you can swear you can say whatever the fuck you want like the like tell whatever stories you want like like if you want to tell a story about like someone in the band shitting themselves on the tour bus, you can tell that story, <laughs> and you can you can, you can you can tell it in all the gory detail that you want, and that's that's the kind of stuff that I want. I want more shit. <laughs> <laughs> not literally, I hope. <laughs> no, not literally, not literally. Although they like, I I am always a fan of, uh, and then I shit myself story. Jim Jeffries did an entire stand-up special where it just built to him saying, and then I shit myself. And it's one of the greatest stand-up specials of all time. It's called Intolerant. <laughs> I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> oh. Great stand-up special. And if you, talk, if you want to talk about tangents as well, the way he goes off on tangents and then comes back from them is like a masterclass in it. But yeah, so like I, want, I wanted to bring that element of having the live interviews and that that thing back and also you know i like reacting to stuff and i try my best to if i'm do if i am reacting to something on the show to not listen to it so i am actually giving my live reaction it's on the show that we did this week i reacted to the new sleep token album like ollie who is on the show with me um he'd heard the album before but for me it was like a genuine natural reaction and that's that's kind of what i want to bring back i just want to bring back the live element but then also to almost the unpredictability and because we're live in the evenings as well it means that it's a more friendly time if it's a band from the united states to jump on as well so if we're live between 7 and 9 p.m it's what like you know two three or midday depending on which side of the states that you're on that's a very friendly time to come on and do an interview so so yeah like it's just trying to just trying to bring a bit more live chaos back to back to proceedings like because because don't get me wrong like i do very much enjoy being being pg on the radio i think it obviously is important to be like that on the radio so that you don't upset ofcom but i think having that other side where you can be a little bit more yourself is refreshing as well because obviously i do have like after chatting today you could probably see that i enjoy a swear word or two like having to like mentally check out of that side of your personality for three hours 
and then like, it's it's occasionally quite hard. <laughs> I just imagine you accidentally say fuck. You're like shit. I didn't get bollocks. Shit. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Off come on, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Ge- yeah. Genuinely, like, like it's it's why I always laugh when you know you see like people in sports like getting interviewed after like a football match or something like that and it's like how did you play? how did the game go and they're like fucking amazing like, oh shit like every <laughs> single time if they swear it's followed up by a second swear word reacting to the initial <laughs> literally like Erlich Haaland just literally did when Man City won the title on Sunday yep yeah yep. anyway I fucking love you oh god oh oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no no oh no <laughs> So I am Norwegian. Um, <laughs> does it does it absolutely blow your mind still to this day that you get to interview and hang out with like people that you've listened to growing up and that sort of thing? Like, there's there's not a day goes by that I'm I'm not grateful for it. Like I've been in position, I've been in a position in my career where like it all went away and like everything fell apart and like losing it gave me a a deeper sense of gratitude than I ever had because I realised that it is, it's something that loads of people would love to do, but not everyone's fortunate enough to do. And taking, taking a step out, not, it was never through choice. It was just like, you know, life just got on top of me and like, I was just unable to deliver and being in that position of just seeing it all sort of like slowly dwindle away after dedicating my life to it was enough of like a sort of rock bottom motivation story to go, okay, how bad do you want? There's a, there's a Fever 333 song called Inglewood and literally like the last two minutes that tune is just Jason Alon Butler going, how bad do you really want it? And that was the, that was the pep talk I had to give myself. I was like, cool, how bad do you really want it? Like, remember, remember what that 16, 17, 18 year old kid was doing every day after school getting you to this point. It's like, are you going to look that kid in the eye and say that you couldn't find the job or the motivation to get back in there and to to continue chasing it? So after having that word in myself, it was the case that I was like, cool, you can't take any of this for granted. Nothing's guaranteed. Like no one, no one is promised forever in any industry, but with the time that you are afforded in it, you've got to make the fucking most of it. And it's like, if I'm, if I'm in a position where I'm going to be chatting to a band, you best believe that I'm believe that I'm gonna deliver the best goddamn interview I can deliver with the time that I've got. And it's like I'm always very respectful of people's time as well. Like, you know, especially with creating my new my own new media outlet, I know that, you know, with with anything new, you're never gonna get everything immediately. You're gonna have to build up to certain stuff. But even then, the stuff that you get afforded, you've always got to be eternally grateful for. And for anyone giving you like their time on whatever level that you're at, and there's no conversation that's not worth having either. And for me, like the the beautiful learning curve out of it all was the fact that I was like, I I know what it's like to have not had it. I'd I'd rather I'd rather have it than be in a position where I could do anything to jeopardize not having it. So with that in mind, whatever level it is and whatever aspect it comes in, I'm happy to do it as long as I'm as long as I can get to do it. That is incredible. Oh. And I think what sums it up beautifully is being in Malta, on a stage, <laughs> DJing with Caleb Shomo singing Beartooth songs. Like, I saw that clip on your Twitter and I was just like, that is incredible. You know, being yeah, in Malta, like, <laughs> alone, just being in Malta itself is unbelievable. <laughs> to be there 
we with Caleb Shomo, with you know the lead singer Bertu singing Bertu songs just on stage must have been unreal. Yeah, man. Like it's moments like that where I'm like, this this stupid level of stuff is happening to me and it could be happening to anyone. And I was like, somewhere in the multiverse, there's a different person in that position. But in this in this version of this reality, it's me. And it's something that I, I've never taken for granted and that I'm always grateful to to be in the room for. And, you know, yeah, one of one moments like that, where it is the case that you're in a foreign country at a festival that doesn't make any sense, but has been executed perfectly down to the last detail. And all of a sudden, you've got the lead singer of a band that you have been a fan of since their inception, jumping about on the DJing booth with your laptop that has been with you since you were 16 years old, that has seen every variation of alternative club night, shaking to its foundations. This laptop was so bastard old. I've had to retire it since that trip. It sat in a drawer over there. But that, that laptop, that laptop came with me to so many sets and like it, like it, it survived everything. It was literally gaffer taped together eventually on the bottom. Like that's that that's how much survival the old girl had in her. But being in that position where I was stood there gripping this laptop because it was violently shaking whilst Caleb was headbanging and screaming bear two songs. I was like, I was like, if a, if a guy who bought this laptop and first started learning how to use Serato could see what was going on now. He'd think that this was the coolest shit in the world. And I never lose, I tried to never lose touch. I always try to think what I was like when I was aspiring to be in all these positions, when all I wanted was these kinds of moments. And with this industry, it's very, very easy sometimes to get disheartened when you work your ass off with stuff and it doesn't come through. But on the moments that the stars align and it does, it does come through for you, you've got to cherish those and hold on to those because some people chase that dragon for ages and never actually get anywhere close to it. So, yeah, always grateful. Always, always grateful. Amazing. I, I can't think of a way, better way to start bringing this to a close. But before you go, from myself, with such an amazing career, like I said, working on Scuzz, Kerrang, the show you're doing, the John Mahon show, the live DJ section of have you got any particular memories or moments that you just look back on and go, that was a fucking good day at the office? <laughs> I got loads, man. I could I could cheer your ear off about these forever. And like sometimes sometimes they're not even like the the massive ones. Like sometimes they can be they can be just the ones that you're at. I mean, like I remember when like I first did download first with the doghouse for the first time and I was DJing to like five thousand people and I was like, This is unbelievable. Like it's in the tent at the doghouse, I must have been like twenty or twenty-one years old. And like that was unbelievable, or like going to Groys Rock Festival in Belgium and like DJing to eight thousand people there. And Boardmasters Festival, I got to do that last year. I got to do the silent disco on their main stage, and that was like between like twenty eight and thirty thousand people. And that was a funny one actually. I actually I actually got told off for for the crowd going too hard. That's never happened before. Like someone someone came over and was like, I need you to tell me the next three songs you're planning on playing. And if I think they're too rowdy, change them. And I was like, Seven Nation Army, When the Sun Goes Down, and then like Oasis, Wonderwall or something. And they're like, you can play Oasis. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> what? Because like, yeah, apparently people going too hard down down in the grounds. But like those, like all of those kinds of memories. But then even... Like I did it. I did my own club night for a period of time, and like it was fun. It was fun whilst it lasted. I'd never be a promoter again because the stresses involved <laughs> are way above what I have the capability to deal with. But like first time I ever put on a club night, and like 
we just undersold the place out and there's just a room full of people there that had just come down for something that I'd put on. That was a really wholesome moment. I went and DJ'd the night in Barnstable a couple of weeks ago and it was like a family run business and like everyone there was just really appreciative that there was something like that going on. Yumi at six were like the headline guest DJs, but I've been booked to do a DJ set as well. And like, it was just the best fun. And it was just, it was just an occasion where like everyone who was there was just well up for everything. And so for me, like the, the standout moments don't even have to be the ones where it's like the big crowds on the big stages at the big festivals. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's going to like a 450 cap club and the people there just being unbelievably awesome. But yeah, there's there's been there's been some funny ones over the years. I remember like one of the nightclubs that I used to work at. <laughs> we did we did a night that was like an only way is Essex theme night. And this like if you think if you if you think clubs are like clinging onto themes now for like for anything to pull people in, just bear in mind that people used to do Towie theme club nights back a day. And like the unique thing on stage that night was you could get a spray tan. At a club night, the place that you want to get a spray tan. So yeah, so as the as the MC and DJ for that night, I had to go on the mic and go right. Do you want a spray tan? Form an orderly queue at the front of the stage. And as I said, form an orderly queue. This one really excited dude leaps up onto the stage, but as he does, trips on the front of the stage and just plows through the DJing table. And I'm talking like thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds worth of equipment all just go flying in different directions like my buddy tommy still has a dent in his laptop from how his laptop landed that night but like this guy plows to the teenagers and security emerge out of the walls like spiders in a horror film just jump onto the guy like grab a limb like full on like carry him out the back and i was like that last bit was maybe a little bit excessive for what he actually did because like it was hilarious that someone was just that enthusiastic about getting what was inevitably going to be the worst spray tan anyone could ever hope to receive at a club night on a Thursday night at the Purple Turtle in Camden. It's something that I'll never forget. The most fitting punishment for that would have been getting the spray tan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, genuinely. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I would it's like loved, we, actually, we actually saved him. I would have loved to have been in that board meeting. So, guys, yeah. what sort of club night do you reckon we should have? Towie? Okay, that's fine. Yeah, we, we can handle that. That's fine. How about... Yeah, they're doing views at the moment. Nice spray tans. <laughs> Let's what? get spray yeah. tans in the dirtiest place, full of alcohol, drunk people. No, that is the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, do you same, prefer... DJ- same company used to do hot tub parties. And, um, sorry, carry on. That's all right. Don't apologise. It's fine. Hot tub parties? What, in clubs? <laughs> yeah yeah in clubs they put hot tubs in clubs that was that like luckily no one got electrocuted but like the water at the end of those things was disgusting yeah i bet anyway the book of good ideas what else could we have oh let's you know let's get ian Watkins from lost Prophets, dj um <laughs> That genuinely happened, and I was there. Anyway, let's move on from that. Boys, yeah, not not great. I crawled through his legs and everything. Anyway, let's move on. Um, Jesus. (laughs) um, Do you prefer DJing club nights or festivals? Which one? Because obviously festivals, you get more that feel like... I I saw the Boardmasters video again, um, where they were all just singing back at you and you were just loving life. I'm just jealous of your life. Yeah, That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's... 
it's stupid at times. Uh, I wouldn't say I have a preference either way because, like, for me, like, so like as someone who does it for the love of the game, like, you don't tend to have a preference because you're just grateful that you're still being booked, and no matter what set it is, like, I have, I have done. DJ sets in parts of the world where there's quite literally been five fucking people in the room. Like I have traveled hours and hours and hours and hours across this country to go to places, to play songs to hardly anyone just cause I fucking love this shit. And if, if I didn't, then the first time I'd have experienced one of those gigs, I'd have thrown in the town. I've been like, nah, man, I'm not doing that again. But the fact that like even even like this this stage of my career, like I can still get booked for something. I can turn up and for whatever reason, I mean a million different factors, for whatever reason, that night just hasn't sold. And I've still got to go out and act like I would if it was the main stage of Boardmasters and there's thirty thousand people there. Like it's it's the exact same energy, it's the exact same experience because at the end of the day, those people have paid money just like the people at the festival have to come and cut loose and they can be cutting loose for whatever reason maybe they've had a shitter of a week and they've just been looking forward to this night out and just because you know the room isn't as full as me as a dj would like it to be doesn't mean those people are entitled to any less of what i'm fully capable of so yeah i wouldn't say i have a preference obviously i i like i find festivals easier to dj just because the size of the crowd and like it's easier to please people on mass whereas the more intimate ones where maybe it hasn't sold as well. I find those the true test of a DJ because I stand by it. Any DJ can hold their own at a festival. Anyone like say, for example, like so say Boardmasters, for example, where it was the case, like it's a silent disco kind of setup. You're dealing with a vast age range and a vast background of people with various different music tastes. Like that day I could have gone from ABBA to Arctic Monkeys, to like any for anything, like any, like Queen, like that, like that kind of range of stuff, and it would have gone down well. And I think anyone who was stood up there, who had access to those kinds of songs and a microphone and a couple of drinks in them, could have could have done it. It's like it those kinds of gigs like almost write themselves. Obviously, you know, if you want to put in production and a different level of it, and you want to bring your own uniqueness to the table, that's a different conversation. Whereas I think the true the true test of like, at least a good DJ is like, all right, let's put you in front of 150 people in a room that should hold 500 on a Friday or a Saturday night. And you've got to keep 150 people in a room where they look around and they know that they've chosen to go to a club that isn't particularly busy that night. How do you keep those people in that room? Uh, uh, yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, you can't, you can't please everyone. And especially when there's less people to please. It's going to be even harder to do so. It's a fair play to you, but harder. <laughs> when you when you've got a personality like yours, it seems to make sense why you can do it, my friend. Let's let's just say that this has been uh, absolutely. That's very amazing. kind of you. This has been so much fun, John. Mister Stevens, before we let our wonderful guests go, do you have any more questions? I have one, John, and I promise you, I'll leave you alone. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no promises needed, my friend. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Before I'll do a proper thank you, but a pre thank you. To the final thank you. Thank you, Adam. No, it's it's been absolutely incredible. When 
he first started out when he first discovered rock music as you know as a teenage boy, even though you're playing rugby, etc., and going to house parties. Did you ever think that this is where your life would be today, even with the pandemic and everything? You know, you, you radio DJ on Kerrang, you've been on Scuzz TV, you're DJing all over the world. Oh well, Malta, the UK, etc., playing festivals, DJing festivals. Did you ever think that this would ever happen? No, no, flat out, no. Like, I only, I don't know what it is, man. Like, I've always felt. Like there's just some some sort of curse like on either me or my family or something like that because like, I looked at my old man my old man was a really really good rugby coach but never never quite got to where he deserved to be like it was always like he was just just shy of where he needed to be given what he could actually do and for the longest time I convinced myself that it was always something for other people and that I was like, no matter how hard I tried, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily get anywhere near to where I wanted to go. And the, there's still times like that where like, you know, I sit there and I'm like, man, I work so fucking hard for this and this didn't happen or like, I, want, I, I wanted this so badly and I didn't get this. And it's, it's just part of what you sign up for in this industry it's you've got to be prepared for some occasions to get your heart broken. You've got to be prepared to get no's. You've got to be prepared to not hear back from people or be ignored. Like it, it's just what happens. But if <laughs> like, if anything, I'm just grateful that at this stage of my life, I can, I can handle that rejection in a healthier way. Cause like back when I was younger, like I really did struggle with, that idea of not being good enough and I take everything really personally. And, you know, when you make something like this your life, like, you make it your life. It becomes everything. So when it's not going right, you feel like your whole life isn't going right. And one thing I've learned over the years is to take that pressure off myself. And for me, like, the most the most important feedback I ever get is from people who actually take the time to consume what I do. Those are the true people whose feedback that I listen to. If, if someone's spending any time listening to my radio show, watching my DJ sets, like those are the people who I'll listen to because fundamentally they're the people who, who are enjoying what I'm doing. And there's a, there's a line. I first heard this quote from CM Punk, but I don't know. I don't know if he nicked it from someone else. Cause he's quite a philosophical guy, but it stuck with me, man, and that's don't take criticism from people you wouldn't go to for advice. And oh, ooh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, and for the long, for the lot, yeah, for the longest time, for the longest time, I'd listen to criticism from people who I wouldn't even consider to go to from advice. And then once I started applying that, I was like, actually, whose opinions do I actually respect, and whose opinions would I benefit from listening to? instead of dwelling on those that may be giving those opinions because of other ulterior motives. So yeah. Shout out, Phil. Come on, punk. Let's get back to AW. Let's get that feud <laughs> with the elite, bro. Wembley needs a main event. I'm so excited for Wembley. I can't contain my excitement. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that- John, man, this has been absolutely unbelievable. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you tonight. I really enjoyed it. No, I can't thank you boys enough. Like, genuinely, like, the fact that you'd 
take this much time to take an interest in anything that I've ever done honestly means the world and I, I can't thank you enough and yeah if at any point ever again in the future you want me on more than welcome oh thank you so much my friend that, that means a lot it really does before we do let you go though any plugs social medias websites anything you want people to go and check out hell yeah first and foremost my friends I want you to subscribe to this if you haven't done so already. I want you to make this your main go-to source of podcasts. Subscribe, like, like I like what are your channels first and foremost? Let me plug those. <laughs> you can find us at TCO Pod everywhere. That's the easiest place to find us. TCO Pod. Yeah, please, my friends. Like, show a lot of love and support for this, because like it's it's podcasts like this that that's the good people in this industry. Oh. So yeah, first and foremost. And then if you do want to come check us out, it's just at John Mahon Show on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok as well. And then we stream live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. Wonderful. Thank you so much, John. This has been beautiful. Really appreciate it. Hell yeah, boys. Thank you ever so much. I can't thank you enough. John, seriously, thank you for everything. Really appreciate it. We'll obviously hit you up and let you know no, thank uh, you, boys. when I'll be out and stuff like that. It's been great to chat to you, get to meet you and everything. So I'll be subscribing to, to your show after this. Don't you worry about that. Thank you. That means the world. Thank you so much, boys. I meant every word I said, man. Keep, keep doing this because this was so much fun. Really oh, appreciate that. Really do. Yeah, thank you so Really, thank you. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Big love, boys. Thank you so much for having me on. I really no, do appreciate have, it. Have a great Thank evening, so John, much. and we will uh, we'll speak to you soon. Hell yeah. Take yeah, care, right. guys. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye. What an absolutely incredible conversation. I love this one so much. So many amazing, fun stories. Like, yeah, this is just great. And plus, he's a brummy like me. Uh, John, again, thank you so much for coming and chatting to us. It was absolutely amazing. Such a great interview. We had so much fun. And from your interview with Peach of Punk Rock Factory at Download, I really hope they do do a wrestling theme album because that'll be unbelievable. <laughs> that would be incredible. So, that would be incredible. Um, I love how much you love wrestling as much as we do. It's uh, Yeah, it's great. And we just really hope that you all enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I, I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com.
me Mr. Stevens. Me 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 me. Doris or me for love. It's audience participation time. <clears throat> me 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 me. Doris or for love. Participate, bitch. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's Participation Challenge. <sighs> this week, I said, cast your mind back to a former Tom's journal. And you remember a journal entry asking the question of your ability to spell under the influence. So with that in mind, what basic word do you guarantee you would spell wrong at a drunken spelling bee? What say you, Mr. Stevens? Mississippi. Oh, that's a good one. Or Tennessee. No, I'm just, yeah, they're, they're just words. Well, they're obviously places in America where have too many of the same letter. There's no need to go that ridiculous with all them letters. No, it's not necessary at all. <laughs> but what is reminding me of as well is um, South Park and Simpsons, um, <laughs> where in South Park in the movie, she goes, spell forensics. And he goes... Ah, oh, fuck that! Why should I spell forensics? Here you go: S U C K M Y A S S forensics. <laughs> Just to suck my ass on the board. <laughs> and then Millhouse of the Simpsons. Okay, Millhouse is for the grand prize. Spell physics. <laughs> oh, that's easy. F. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joker spelling B. I get everything wrong, no oh, yeah. doubt. I was going for a massive tangent about something else. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> Spell this. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you a story about that. And <laughs> just go off on one completely. Have you ever seen Tootin's Carmoon's fucking tune? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, Tootin' Carmoon. I'm never gonna be able to spell that. <laughs> oh, not Tootin' Carmoon. Tootin's Carmoon's. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm enjoying that way too much. I'm so sorry. <sighs> the, sorry. What about I, you, sir? What about I you? Say, I, I thought of two, but one of them is an answer in this, so I'm not going to steal it. But I think I said it when we had the conversation. I don't know why, but I feel like I'd really trip over the word because I don't really know why. I think it's the AUSE thing. I think my brain would just go. Uh, uh, uh. But obviously, when sober, you trip over every word. So just. <laughs> sorry. It's one of those where I stare at you, like, annoyed, but I can't deny it in the fucking slightest. Sorry, mate, you're not alone. Well, that's very true. Yeah. Just avioid it, all right? I'll try to avioid it in the future, especially on this epiost. Anyway, <laughs> let's get some answers. PR Brown, not a word, but just amused me anyway. I swear, officer, I am not dunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Martin Skerritt. This is very ironic. Sobriety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good on, <old> Mark. <laughs> Bill Walker, gorgeous. I can barely spell that word when I'm sober. <laughs> <laughs> Gemma Williams. The scary thing is, I think I'd actually be okay at a drunken spelling bee. A sober one, however, probably not. 
I like that. Oh. Beth Adair, onomatopoeia. I don't even spell that sober. That's exactly what I think I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great oh, word, though. It is a great word. Oh. Lizzie Edwards says, quite. <laughs> I'm not sure why you could trip over the word quite, but there we are. <laughs> Claire Jones, any word, because I can't spell them when I'm sober. <laughs> is she dyslexic? <laughs> she is, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> oh, it feels mean picking on that. <laughs> Laurie Jean, this answer really made me laugh. Well, I can only spell banana because of Gwen Stefani. <laughs> what? That shit's bananas. B A N A N A S. Shit's bananas. B. I have never, ever heard that song in my life. You've never heard Hollaback Girl by Gwen Stefani. Oh, is that where that's from? Yeah. I haven't heard that song, yeah. Oh, shows how much attention I paid to that shit. Becky Westwood. I actually forgot she answered this because it always got me when I was a kid. There we are. Paul Bamford. This is a good one. Hedgehog. Good word. Great word. We're too many the same letter. You don't need it all. (laughs) Make them silent. Lisa Sobis. Cockerel. Guaranteed I'd miss out that first D. For spelling cockerel, you, you def- I think everybody would definitely get the first four letters a hundred percent, no problem. <laughs> you race, obviously, that's all you can fucking think about. Oh, definitely, I know the C O C K because I've got one myself. Have you seen it? Actually, I lost it in my parents' bag. <laughs> what? <laughs> Drunk, aren't you? It's talk gibberish. Uh, true, yeah. <laughs> I think my dad took it for a ride in the taxi. And I, I don't know what happened. I think we got to Halifax about seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Keris Mansfield says necessary. Yeah, that's a tough word in itself because it's you can never know if it's two C's or one or two S's or one. Yeah. I, I hate those words. <laughs> oh, Amy Sansom. This is the other one that I was going to say. Hippopotamus. I can imagine that being quite difficult to spell. Strong word though. It's strong strong fucking strong. animals as well. <laughs> very strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll give you two more. Graham Arnold. <laughs> this, this really made me laugh. What a rant. Anything with that I before E except after C crap. People to seem to forget words like leisure, sovereign, protein, eight, weight, weird, foreign, vain, neighbor, slight, seismic, reich, seas, beige, forfeit, neither, height, day, deity, defy, design, financier, heist, rain, surfeit, surf feisty seizure fucking keith to name a few exceptions to that expectation of a rule the english language is bullshit let's face it to be fair right you could probably get a number one song with that probably i did feel a bit like lou Bega with that one I'm not gonna... in the rap and grime <laughs> world oh my god yes i'm gonna try if someone can help me it works in the world of music let's get together and make a rap out of that just i just want to do it now i just think it'd be really fun number one hit if two plus two plus equals four is quick maths can make it into the charts, I'm sure you can. <laughs> and last but not least is our good friend Mally Malpass. Necessary. Good word. Canoe. Another good word. I I'll be honest, I wasn't 100 percent sure to spell that sober. Broccoli. I always get two C's and one L mixed up. Gnome. Good one. And last but not least, I can't actually pronounce this word because it's the long train station word in uh, in Wales. Oh, the longest Welsh. 
Yeah. yeah. He's written it here, and Gemma Williams has said, I can't wait to hear Jamie attempt to read this out. I don't think I could try to read this out, Gemma. Like, it's impossible. Let me, me to have a go. Go on, let me bring, to have a go. Let's have a go each. Let's see, let's see if we can do it. Where is it? Let's have a bash, lads. Come on, let's give it a try. <clears throat> do my stretches. Let's get prepared. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, Karis's mum can do this. Can she? That's awesome. Yeah. You go first. Oh, well, I'm fucking waiting for that. Oh, right, I don't know. for fair, poi golly 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 Okay. But Shaquille O'Neal, because the, the Welsh weatherman does it. I've seen that. Um, yeah, and then Shaquille O'Neal has a go, and it's fucking brilliant, and they all die laughing. Anyway, my turn. You ready? Go. This is ridiculous. What? Who, ever, who thought it would be a great <laughs> name for a fucking town? I want all the letters of the alphabet in there, please, in the most randomest areas possible. Pranfair, Pwig, Willy, Golgogary, Quinn, Rin, Drob, Will, Clan, Tinsil, Go, 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 Go. There you go, fuck it. <laughs> I, think they, I actually think you got a Go, 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 Go bit right, at least. <laughs> yeah, it, but please put Shaq's attempt. And here is Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Okay, there's a, it's a weatherman. From Channel Four in the UK. Oh, that was wonderful. I'm, I'm glad we both attempted that. That was great. Well, I, I thought it was only fair. It's only fair to give it to give it a little bash. Um, but if you enjoy, thank you to absolutely everybody that participated in Jamie's participation challenge. We appreciate every single one of you every single week for doing these. So thank you so very very much. If you enjoy. Jamie's Participation Challenge, Tom's Journal, Callum's Street Chicks, The Interview, and all the absolute garbage that we speak at the beginning. And you enjoy the other 90 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, whether that be Spotify, whether that be Google, Apple, wherever you get them, grab them, come find us, get us downloaded. You know, you just know it makes sense. You get to just try and pronounce Welsh names. What can I say? You can also come and find us on YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Press that subscribe button right now and don't press the unsubscribe button. Click that bell to get notified when videos are released and comment, comment, comment. All right, all the comments, please, boys and girls and everybody in between. Um, you can find all of our interviews are on there, all of our shows are on there, all of our hashtag WBW way back Wednesdays are on there. All of our Bloodstock live interviews are on there, which will be followed now by live 2000 Trees interviews. You can find our Bloodstock vlog, which obviously becoming be a 2000 Trees vlog. And there will be a Dublin Crust vlog on there for you to enjoy as well. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you hit that like button, share it, tell your mates about it, put gifts and memes and crap on there. Whatever you want to do, come and say hello. It would be massively appreciated. But Jamie, thinking about it, where else could you find us? Tuning in every weekday to Kerrang Radio, listening to John Mahon do his thing. And on the Twitter. Hold on. At TCO Pod. And whilst you're on um, 
listening to John Mahon's show every weekday on, on Kerrang Radio uh, and on our Twitter. Where else could you find us? Looking in the mirror, saying, I will pronounce this Welsh town, town name. I am determined. I will do it. I will achieve it. And on our Instagram. All there. At TCO Pod. We're also on the TikTok at TCO Pod. Make sure you come on down and check those bad boys out. Jamie has been releasing some unbelievable videos on the daily. It's been great. And then make sure you find this Chesley Hawks video. You can find us on LinkedIn. Connect with us at the Chronicles of Podcast on there. Um, you can find us our, our beautifully brand spankingly sexy and gorgeous little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. Uh, all of our shows and episodes are on there, all about us on there, and our store is on there as well. Come and get some TCO pod merch. You will not be disappointed, I promise you that. Um, and all of our affiliations and sponsors are on there as well. So, yeah, make sure you come on down. Follow us on all the social medias at TCO Pod. Follow us and subscribe to us on YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. It would mean the fucking goddamn world. Uh, and now, a word from our Jamie. Before I say thank you to a few of our friends, I do want to jump on everything Tom just said there. But as well, please, please, please go to wherever you get your podcast from, YouTube, social media, whatever, and leave us a rating and review. I want this show. We are approaching 100 editions of this show. I want everyone to get their eyes and ears on this show. We have had so many incredible, incredible guests. We have so much fun having such a great laugh of each other, whether it was Tom's journals, Callum Trinchard's, my audience participation, or the wanky bollocks at the start, as Tom likes to call it. We want all the eyes and ears on this show because we are so damn proud of what we put out there every single week. So please help us achieve that. Share this show, leave ratings and reviews. It helps with the algorithm and it gets this bad boy out there. And now I shall say thank you to a few of our friends. First off, every single piece of music you hear is brought to you by one man. That one man is Mr. Singer, songwriter, Matt Roberts. Go check him out on all social medias at Matt Roberts Music. He's just got himself a bunch of whole new toys and kit to play with if you send him on social media. So we cannot wait to see what is going to be coming out from him very, very soon, hopefully. But until then, go check out his most recent album, Light of Day, wherever you get your music from, whether that be Spotify, Amazon Music or wherever that may be. And of course, we have to say thank you to Mr. Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy Clothing. Head on over to www.staycozyclothing.com or download that smartphone app. Take a look at what is on there. There is T-shirts, there is hoodies, there is hats. There is even those beautiful mugs that I keep talking about. Go add whatever you like to your basket. And of course, enter that discount code, The Chronicles, to get 10% off your order. As Mr. Stevens mentioned earlier, Braden is currently on tour in the States selling his wonderful Stay Cozy clothing at the merch stand. I can't promise it'll work, but I really just want someone to try it. Shout the Chronicles at him as you're paying. Just see if it works. You never know. You never know. And of course, go check out all of Braden's music, Say We Can Fly, his most recent album, Beneath the Roses, and his brand new single that came out just the other day, Through the Trees. Go check it out now. It's an incredible song, an incredible music video. Thank you for everything you do for us, Braden. It means the absolute world. And last but not least, we have to say a massive thank you to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. They are stamping out prejudice, hatred and intolerance everywhere. And I mean everywhere. This is not just a thing that affects people in the UK. This is a global issue. I was talking to someone online recently from Canada and they knew all about Sophie's story and they themselves were treated differently just for the way they dress, the way they look and for being the person they want to be. So please do us all a favour, head on over to sophielancasterfoundation.com. Familiarise yourself with Sophie's story if you aren't aware of it. 
please familiarize yourself with that story. Share that out there to others who might not know about this story, because this is a story that needs to be known about. This is something that it affects so many people on a daily basis, and it shouldn't be happening still in 2023. It's absolutely ridiculous. I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who attended the Download Festival. Typically, we thanked you all last week, but after the episode came out, we found out that they sold out of every single piece of merchandise. They had to close the tent early with a sorry we are sold out sign. That is absolutely incredible. And the amount of love and support you guys who are at the festival through towards the foundation, it's just, do you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. Superb. Absolutely love it so much. As I said before, we cannot wait to be out there supporting the foundation in the summer seasons at the festivals. We cannot wait. We've got some great things lined up on our ways as well. Just stay here, pay attention to everything we are doing, and you will find out what those are. And last but not least, a massive thank you to my handsome co-host over there. Thank you, sir. Ditto. The feeling is mutual. Um, another great, another great addition. This is always amazing. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's been a great... <laughs> and a massive thank you and shout out again to John. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. Um, it'll be great to see you in a couple of weeks at the 2000 Trees Festival. Uh, everybody go and check out the John Mahon Show right fucking now on YouTube and get subscribing. And while you're there, subscribe to the Chronicles of Podcasts and get listened to us as well. Uh, another great issue, Jamie. And as for this week, we'll see you all next week for the Chronicles of Joe Matera. Oh, yeah. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>